Whoa, I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Welcome back to the 60th, yes, 60th episode of Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast devoted to the one story that no one ever wants to touch again, the Clone Saga. <laughs> That's a line, you know it. This is our first show of 2017. Minor goof. I intended on releasing this particular episode as the first episode of 2017 because I was re- intending to release the previous two episodes at the end of 2016, but didn't quite work out that way. So, my bad. Minor goof. But we are recording this in late December. I don't always do this alone, however. I am joined by the host of Mayday Mondays, which you can find on spidey-dude.com, iTunes, and Google Play. He's also the host with the most appearances on this show, the one and only Mr. Dependable himself, an all-around great guy, Gerard Delatour of the second. Okay, okay. I know you pre-wrote this ahead of time, but this whole Mr. Dependable bit on the most, it seems like a dig at the other guys because I'm the only one here. <laughs> it wasn't, it was completely... It was not intended that way, but yeah. it came <laughs> yeah. We originally had everybody here, uh, but uh, Greg and Don and Josh all had to bow out uh, at the very last minute. So we're, we're still recording and... Uh, Anyway, but so it's, it's it's the week of Christmas. Come on, you know yeah, what's going on. Yeah, that's when we're recording this. So, and by the way, yes, I know Mayday Mondays is currently on a hiatus that I said wouldn't happen, but I have a legitimate explanation for it that I'll give later. Whenever Mayday Mondays is coming back. Yeah, uh, yeah. That sometimes things happen, life happens, and and yeah. Anyway, so or more properly, death happens. Not to make a joke of it. Exactly. But anyway, uh, this episode is going to cover a miniseries called Redemption. It is the indirect sequel to Lost Years, and the spiritual and as a spiritual successor to that miniseries, I was originally going to bring the whole gang back, but you know, not everybody showed up. Originally, I intended to do this miniseries the same way with Final Adventure, but there wasn't much interest from the group, so I decided that it would be better served to do as a solo episode, and that episode will be coming out later. Uh, the the uh, Final Adventure episode? Yes. That actually is, I'm, I'm going to probably tab it for the following episode. It's already been recorded, but... Oh! So. Uh, yes. I'm sorry, maybe my brain isn't functioning right, but I could swear I covered Final Adventure with you, but I know that I didn't, right? We, we didn't. We, we talked about okay, covering like, it, but we never did. God, like, I've forgotten what we've covered and what we haven't at this point. Yeah, we're, uh, if you're following along, we're actually going to be wrapping up epic book number four. <sighs> okay. 
So, I lied. There is one more issue inside of Epic Book Number 4. But for the most part, we're going to be wrapping the, the book up. Uh, Epic Book Number 4 has an issue that has the first meeting of Ben Riley and Daredevil. And we're going to cover that in a couple of episodes. And so, yeah, I technically lied. Sorry. That's why we have editor's notes of Ben Riley. So, uh, with uh, when we do the fi- when I do the final adventure uh, episode next episode, we'll be wrapping up Epic Book Number 3. I didn't actually lie this time. It actually is going to be Epic Book 3 that we're going to be wrapping up because we've only got a final adventure left. So there you go. Okay, I kind of had to do something to differentiate between these editor's notes. Back to the show. And then we'll be pretty much, from that point on, we'll be exclusively in Epic Books 5 and 6. So anyway, uh, for the first time in a while, we actually have news. Oh boy, do we. So uh, we will start with the return of our beloved character, Ben Riley. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. We have a return of a character named Ben Riley. <laughs> to, to imply that they're the same character or that this is the same character that people loved is, is a betrayal of everything that fiction stands for. That's a true statement. Uh, obviously, if you've been living under a rock, uh, or if you haven't been living under a rock, you already know this, but he did make his return, supposedly make his return in Clone Conspir- the, during the Clone Conspiracy event issue number three. I said guys in my, in my notes, but guys... <laughs> <laughs> Thought on his re- thoughts on his return. I'm not reading Clone Conspiracy. <laughs> this is the worst panel to have to, to cover a book. Damn. I haven't even read it. Um. Okay. Okay. I've got. I, I've actually. Let me. Let me explain this. I'm going to read Clone Conspiracy when it's over. <laughs> Because we're going to end up covering it on this podcast, I kind of have to. Right. It, much, much like Spider-Verse, how I had to go in kicking and screaming, and and I've cursed Zach under my breath every single time I've ever talked to him since because of because of it. Because God damn Spider-Verse horrible. But, uh, I'm sorry, man. I have, I have read a chunk of the issue in which Ben Riley quote-unquote, returns. I don't believe that for, for a second. But uh, Now, when we're recording this is the day before issue 21 of, of Amazing Volume 4 comes out, which is supposed to be a very Ben riley centric issue. Well, then, you dummy, you should have recorded this tomorrow. Yeah, I... Well, originally, it originally was supposed to come out last week. And, oh, good old delays. Delayed, so they, del- they pushed it back a week, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I kind of gave I gave my thoughts. There's an editorial that's going to be up on Spider Dash Dude um, that I wrote. So if you go to spider-dude.com right now, you can actually see it. Uh, that kind of gave my thoughts. I, I, I'm a little uh, perplexed, to say the least, because the last time we saw, if you listen to the show, last time we saw Ben Riley interact with the Jackal was during Maximum Clone and Omega, that wonderful chestnut. And <laughs> where, where, where the Jackal plummeted to his death, yes. floating, floating a foot above the ground, as we pointed out. Because <laughs> yeah, the artwork did not look like he landed. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he was like hovering over the ground instead of like being a depressed into the ground it was off uh yeah and then like you go from that and then like two pages later it's been it's uh mark bagley artwork which we'll get to <laughs> like they had him they had, they had him and freaking tom lyle come in and finish the artwork to do like an epilogue <laughs> scene for both uh, for peter and then ben it's like what anyway you know you know it's dark days when you're like oh my god we got to pull out our, our most important card on the shelf Get Tom Lyle on the phone. <laughs> get get Mark and Tom. Mark, can you, do you think you can squeeze in two more pages? 
Yeah. So I was imagining him chained to the desk, like in that Ultimate Spider-Man issue. <laughs> You're right. Yes, exactly. They changed it to the desk, and like him and Tom Lyle are having to come in. I'm like, right, we need you to draw this page and this page. And yeah, it was just awful. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I mean, the last time he interacted with the Jackal, he was like beating him up. Like, you stole five years of my life. <laughs> when did he become a 1980s WWF wrestler? It, it, it fit the <laughs> overall tone. But it, so uh, nobody knows. I mean, like I've read the preview pages for, for the 20, issue 21. He's like, oh, yeah, my the... Uh, the the mask it does two has two settings Miles Warren and and uh, and James Earl Jones and I'm like ah. <laughs> warning incoming hand wave <laughs> warning incoming hand wave come on this is this is Dan Slott he's gonna give you some Bravo Sierra explanation as to, <laughs> as as to how any of this makes sense just like when he brought Mysterio back and yeah it's gonna get really entertaining when I when I'm sitting there re- rage reading this next uh, this week and and I will there will also be it will be a two part article there's one that will be uh, part one is before there's immediate reaction to uh, conspiracy number three and then uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be writing an article reading uh, discussing uh, amazing 21 so look for those on fightedu.com uh, but but seriously though initial reaction uh, I would be very surprised if this sticks in any way. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> it's not. It's okay. not. It's not Ben Riley. Okay, calm I down. Have to, I have to kind of give some context of, of of my of my where my head was. Um, the co-founder of Spidey Dude, uh, my dad D, underwent open heart surgery the day that issue three came out. So like my mind was not obviously in the game, and I was like, Ugh. and I look, I predicted. You can go back and listen to this show. You can listen to Crawl Space. I absolutely said that Ben Riley was the guy underneath the mask, and because uh, it was so, pl- it was the subtext was so plain as day, and it was so uh, on the nose. I'm like, yeah, this is definitely, uh, <clears throat> this is definitely who I think it is, and sure enough. So, um, <laughs> by the way, speaking of on the nose, you said that, and immediately the end music for this episode popped in my head. <laughs> it's Alice Cooper, the man behind the mask. Nice. Book it. Yeah. <laughs> he's back. He's the man behind the mask. Right, Alice Cooper, huh? Uh, <laughs> write it down. I'm writing it down. All right, man, it's an awesome song too, by the oh. way. Well, we'll have to—I may have to use that for for the next time we record too, uh, or when we actually record this, uh, because we're obviously our our goal is we're going to let the uh, issues come out, and then we're going to cover this far more extensively when the event's yeah. over. But speaking of when the event's over, Bleeding Cool first posted this a few weeks, or about a week and a half before we recorded this. And the, the headline was from Bleeding Cool, quote, New Scarlet Spider series from Marvel by Peter David and Mark Bagley, question mark? <laughs> quote, hmm. That's the word on the street. That spinning out of the current clone conspiracy series, we'll be getting a new Scarlet Spider series Written by Peter David and Mark Bagley, David is currently writing the 299 series for Marvel, while Bagley has been drawing all new X-Men and is providing a page for the final issue of Civil War II. The most recent issues of Clone Conspiracy saw Kane, Parker, and Ben Riley, two characters who have both appeared as Scarlet Spider. Which of the two Parker clones will appear in this new series in the role? I have no idea. Maybe Ken, Kane, maybe maybe Ken. 
Ben, maybe both. <laughs> I just combined Kane and Ben's name. Oh my god, that's the plot twist ending. Because isn't it the whole story about how he's putting together pieces of people to make them into, like, they're not clones, they're like new... Like Frankenstein together reanimations? What if he puts... What if What if the story ends with Ben Riley and Kane being fused into one character? Voltron style. Well, no, because, like, if they're, like, you know, both of them are severely injured in the final battle, and, like, alright, we gotta save him. So you put, like, Ben Riley's heart and, like, half of Kane's brain and half of like Ben Riley's brain and like so basically you, you you're know turning I mean? him into Firestorm. <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, somewhere, it's just somewhere. Shag Matthews is like I feel a disturbance in the force. Uh, he, he's wanted a guest on this show by the way for a while, so we're gonna have to get him on sometime. Uh, oh. he, he, he just uh, started reading, um, rereading the Clone Saga, and he's like, I really enjoyed this story when it came out. And I'm like, What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you're like book. You're booked immediately. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we'll we'll have them on. We're gonna. I had made some plans a while back, but he was both him and I think it was Andrew Leland uh, that also uh, expressed interest, and in, and I said, well, we'll have to get together, and we just haven't had the ability to do it yet. But that's a future episode. Because well, uh, we're, we're running out of time, so I know, right? <laughs> but. Uh, Hell, they may be the new cast since the the regular cast isn't that reliable. Oh, oh the gauntlet has been thrown, guys. Your your jaws are in jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> We're talking to you, Josh. Mister, I haven't shown up in like two years. Poor Josh, co-founder <laughs> of the show, and then he bails out. Yeah, to, to to be fair, people, he's not abandoning you. He just works like a like a madman. Yeah, like literally, he he was actually supposed to be on tonight, and we actually were. He was like, man, we had like a, a three man thread going. He's like, I gotta work until this X time. Which by the time we actually get to the reviews, yeah, actually, I know, actually be on the show. But anyway, but but again, it's him, so you know he's gonna work three more hours beyond what he said he's gonna exactly. work anyway. So um, anyway, then a couple of days later, uh, Bleeding Cool comes back with a follow up story saying, oh, we'll find out in March. And then CBR releases a story that has the new solicitations because those solicitations for March came out and it says, The Bone Conspiracy <laughs> Written by Dan Swan, Chris says Gage with Peter David, Corey Smith, Mark Bagley, and Stuart Immerman. Um Clone Conspiracy is finished, but the impacts on Spider-Man's life is huge. <laughs> clone conspiracy is finished translation clone conspiracy is not finished because we need another issue <laughs> the rhino comes at spider-man with an intense fury and aims to pin the, the spider to the wall permanently what was the final fate of ben riley or the lizard witness the first chapter of the next <laughs> <laughs> wait what what was the final fate of ben riley or the lizard Liz that's a drop-off in interest right there. Who cares about the lizard? <laughs> I guess the lizard... Well, the lizard's been kind of playing a role. He was the first one that was recruited by Anuba, Anuba Ben. Um, and so he's been, you know, kind of... He's been in almost every issue. So anyway. Uh, Witness the first chapter of the Ben X Big Spider book by Peter David and Mark Bagley. Exclamation point. 499, 40 pages, one shot, rated teen plus. So, yeah, that solicit to me implies that the uh, the Peter David uh, uh, Mark Bagley thing is going to be some kind of backup teaser, mm -hmm. maybe somewhere in the five to eight page range, and then it'll say you know coming whenever month. Exactly. So the new series. Obviously, we will cover it whenever uh, Cone Conspiracy wraps up with this issue, Omega issue. So, um, anyway, I'm excited for a a Peter David and Mark Bagley series. I mean, that's a god tier team. 
That's... I would have been excited for a Peter David Mark Bagley series in the late nineties. I... I'm not sure if I'm, I'm not sure in the year 2016 if that's something I want to see. Well, Mark, Mark Bagley's gold. He's... <sighs> he hasn't dropped off a cliff like Mourinho Jr. has. Well, I think we're okay. Hold on, we need to, we need to address this. First of all, Bagley's not as good now as he was ten years ago, but that's just age. And also, I, I just think he hasn't been paired with anchors the quality that he had earlier in his career. Yeah. But also, also uh, to be frank, I think Romita Junior's artwork has dropped off because he stopped giving it. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think I don't think a writer has put a story in front of him that he's wanted to draw for at least a decade now, with the exception of Kickass, which if you've read, that's his best artwork easily in the last decade. Yeah, but he's also that's also creator. Now that he's done creator owned stuff, it's like he yeah. doesn't want to do work for our stuff anymore. But the point is that John Romita Jr. is like Randy Orton, where if he gives a damn, he's great and like you can't stop watching him. But if he goes into autopilot, oh my god! It's like what in the world? You will you will just want to turn off your television. Well, like it will be the most boring thing you watch. And and the same thing with Jr. Jr. If if he's not motivated, especially at his age, if he's not motivated, he's gonna phone it in hard. Well, and, like his super, like his Superman run. Yeah, that, that was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, he wasn't, but like you, you put, but like Kickass or or the Hit Girl miniseries, those are all great because he's highly motivated. And I think his Batman one was actually not. I haven't. I, I just saw some of the artwork. I'm like, all right, this is this is this is more akin to what Ramita is known for. But it also Ramita also better for his style too. He's much more street level. He, he's not. Yeah, he just isn't built for. And also all about the. You mentioned that with Bagley, but all about the inking with Ramita Jr. Yeah, but but uh, to address the whole Peter David thing, I, I I don't think he's been on top of his game for a while now. I liked his first neighborhood run. See, I got I got to disagree with you on that one. I don't think that was a very good run. I particularly like the last issue. Well, of course, because you inspired it, kind of. <laughs> well, not the last issue. Last issue well, yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't count. I, I don't count that one more day nonsense. I, to me, the last right, issue right. of Friendly Neighborhood yeah. was was the was the Jonah conf- confrontation. So. The one that you kind of inspired, which makes you, which you're very proud of. I am very proud of that issue. And folks, the, we like that's all that's recorded. That's <laughs> so, a matter of public record. Uh, yes. He's actually mentioned that uh, offhandly uh, several times. Uh, they, he mm. actually said that that was one of his favorite issues to write was the uh, Jonah, and one of the favorite characters to write in Spider-Man has been Jonah. And so, right. um, I was like, sweet. But yeah, uh, he not only did it, it came from a question I asked on God episode eight. Of the crawl space, uh, it came and, and then it came back uh, several years later. They uh, they did a, another interview with him, and uh, I kind of said, "Hey, thanks for writing that issue." He goes, "Thank you for asking the question because I never would have wrote the issue." <laughs> so, uh, so, so wait, hold on, Zach. So, are you getting royalty checks for this? Absolutely not. And I'm not gonna ask. I'm not gonna. And I would never ask for it. I think it's. I think it's great that he wrote the issue. No, 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 no. To be fair, you didn't tell him the story to write. No, I just asked. You just gave him a vague idea of a character to write about. All I asked was, is Jonah and Peter gonna have? Are they gonna have a confrontation now that he's unmasked? Well, I think. I think. And his exact response was, he thought that Joe Straginski was going to address it in his run, and Joe's like, eh, I'm not gonna really address it. And so he's like, Well, can I do it? And, uh, <laughs> I think it was Wacker at that point. Wacker said, sure. Uh, I think Wacker had just started on as the editor. Right. And um, so, yeah, then that book came about. So. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, the whole royalty joke that I just made—that's the reason. If you're if if you've ever wondered why professional writers will always decline the, your invitation to read your fan fiction, Greg Wiseman, people. Yes, <laughs> because because if, if they read something in your fanfic. And then they, if they ever, even if it's even if it's not known that they read it, if it's just vaguely known that they read fan fiction, and then they start writing a story that looks similar to a fan fiction that already exists, mm-hmm. they could get into legal trouble over the ownership of the ideas and be forced to pay royalties to someone. Yeah, I mean, Marvel paid, I think, five hundred dollars to the the guy that came up with the black costume saga story, and. Um, that was how they were able to cover, cover the legal bases. Imagine his royalty checks now. Yeah, or imagine if they if if he knew if he existed in the if that had happened this year when people were much more knowledgeable about that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and said because he just straight up got robbed. <laughs> Can you imagine that guy? How much money he'd be making oh, right now just off of every T-shirt. Yeah. And like maquettes, and every collectible, like you know, plaque, and like uh, Marvels produce so much stuff with that costume on it. Yeah, he'd be making a ton. They, of they produced, you know, three different Marvel Legends figures. One's a build a figure, so you have the you yeah. have the regular Venom. You have the uh, Walgreens exclusive. Oh, yeah. yeah, you could also argue that Venom is derivative of that costume. Yep. So then you have like, Flash Venom. Oh my god, yeah, so that's the derivative of Venom, which is the derivative of that black costume. Then, which, which is fair, the black costume is derivative of Spider-Woman from, costume from the 80s. Yeah. The Julia Carpenter version. So, technically, Aranya, kind of, sort of. Yeah, you could just, yes. Yeah. Anyway, way down the rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> uh, again, we're, we're, we're here to talk about Redemption, Spider-Man Redemption. And, yes. Um... Of course, there's background to this mini, and when we need background, we go to the very best source, Life of Riley. Of course, if you want to read it yourself, it's available to be read at lifeofrileyarchives.blogspot.com. So we're quoting Glenn Greenberg here. <clears throat> Glenn says, "I was the Glenn was the one that really pu- who really pushed for this miniseries, dated back to Populinsky era of Spider-Man when they were still talking of launching the Lost Years as a new Spider-Man franchise." Glenn wanted the can I stop? Can I stop you right there? I've noticed a trend with this guy where he seems to take credit for everything that's positive about the Clone Saga. <laughs> How much of this do we actually believe? Well, he was he was in charge of the special projects. Remember, we did talk about you know for an octopus needing. He's an assistant editor. <laughs> okay, calm, relax. Like this guy had like five people above him just in his own editorial crew. Well, I mean, he worked very closely with Brevoort, so who, who knows? I don't know. I'm calling BS on this one, is what I'm saying. Uh, continuing, he says, I wanted the Brevoort-Greenberg office to be at the forefront of this new franchise, and Tom Brevoort was generous enough and had enough confidence in Glenn to allow Glenn to make the point on getting everything moving. Glenn's goal was to get J.M.D. Mateus back on Spider-Man, even if it was only on a short-term basis. Since DeMatteis had written the first Lost Years, it only made sense to Glenn to call him and ask him to do the second one. Called He called Mark and found him quite willing to return to what we all had believed at the time to be the secret history of the one true Spider-Man. Romita Jr., who was who penciled the first series, was already committed to penciling the monthly Spider-Man title, so he wouldn't be available. The most natural thing, then, for Glenn, he believed, was to invite Mike Zeck and Bob McLeod to the project, since they had worked together so well with Mark and Craven's last hunt in its sequel, Soul of the Hunter. He called Mike and Bob 
and was fortunate enough to reach him at a time when they had openings in their respective schedules and they could work on the four issues. DiMatteis was really excited when he told them that Mike and Bob had agreed to do Redemption and he always, because he always loved working with Tom Brevoort, let him continue to stay as the hands-on editor of the project, although he, of course, had final say over everything and had the option of overriding Glenn if he didn't like something. As he recalls, he never, uh, Tom never did exercise, exercise that option, although he did offer notes and suggestions along the way, which passed along, which then Glenn passed along to Mark. He's always been... <laughs> Translation, Braveheart was more than happy to let Glenn, Glenn Greenberg do his job for him. <laughs> it just reads those incredible levels of laziness to me. Uh, he's always been very grateful to Tom for getting him the chance to put this project together and supervising it. So, uh, we're gonna then I get I'm gonna do, we're gonna do the rundown of issues one and two, and then um, I'm going to do uh, before issue, we get to issue three. I will more uh, more life more Okay. Uh, and uh, by, by the way, uh, shout out to uh, Andrew Golitz. Uh, night. Thank God someone mentioned Soul of the Hunter. Yes. <laughs> That's been like that's been like one of Delatour's pet peeves. Yes, I love that Actually, story, and why does it never get it never gets mentioned often enough? Because it is essentially Craven's Last Hunt Part Seven. Yeah, it really is. And and, and credit to Glenn Greenberg for mentioning it too. So yes. Uh, all right, so I'm doing the recap for issue number one, written by J.M.D. Mateus, art by Mike Zek and Bob McLeod. Our issue starts with Kane. Kane is standing standing over a dead woman in a in a casket. When a guard, two guards bust in, they tell him that no necrophilia should be going on, and he invites them. <laughs> he invites them. so, uh, but he invites the guards to pump him full of lead. They freeze, and he attacks them. Just as he's about to deliver the mark of Kane, he pulls away and does it to himself. Then he does his best Batman the animated series opening impression and yells out in an angsty, "Why?" <laughs> We then cut to the grave of Norman and Harry Osborn, where Ben expresses regret that he wasn't there for his friend. Kane watches in the shadows. <laughs> ben is lost in thought. Take, take a shot. <laughs> ben is lost in thought, expressing his loneliness and how much time has been robbed. He goes in and checks on Liz and Normie and expresses that he wanted so badly to help. But alas, it wasn't to be, as even the city he grew up in, he was still an exile. But he's returned. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, mild background. Don't forget, since uh, Ben Riley's memories are based on a template of Peter from the 70s, that was back when Harry Osborne was his best friend. So that's his freshest connection to New York, I would suppose. Because they, like he had almost no relationship with Mary Jane at that point, etc. So. Which is why he's not all, you know, gaga over Mary Jane whenever, you know, he sees her. But he's right. not the only redhead in his life. <laughs> but but also uh, remember he also wasn't present when Harry was died in like what ninety one because yes. that was a couple of years before he showed up again because he was on the road. Yeah. So yeah, Harry's death tie, tying up an interesting loose end that I pro- that I hadn't even thought about until I read this issue. So he's laying in his apartment. Ben is laying in his, in his apartment and he goes to get some milk. Kane then attacks from the shadows, telling him that he is his shadow. <laughs> Kane then rips a piece of the wall off like a boss and KOs Ben. After he comes to, he walk, walks around, aimlessly lost in his thoughts, when he enters a bar. He gets a double club soda, and lo and behold, Flash Thompson is there, drunk, reliving his glory days. Flash then talks about people like Parker, how he you know, he became a hotshot photographer and married a model, and that he's just a useless sack of crap. And uh, Ben then finally decides, to sit, after he listens to this sad sack, Tells him to buck up Buttercup and be a man. He then goes to his apartment and sees that Janine is alive and well. Kane, K- 
Kane witnesses their reunion, and he goes and attempts ma- and, and attempts mass murder, but then flees. As Ben sits there and enjoys happiness with Janine over a few weeks, but as they're leaving dinner one night, Kane grabs her and throws her into a a warehouse full of of mannequins, seemingly snapping her neck. Ben and Kane fight, and Kane and then Ben sees the the lifeless body of Janine dead once again. No! Uh, okay, we since you referenced it here, and I just have to ask. Um, okay, so the whole thing where where he believes Janine to be dead and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I'm not crazy, right? This isn't based on anything that was previously published. Uh, it was like implied backstory yes. for this for this, well, the, for this miniseries. Yes, it, it, there, we never see the scene where Janine dies. Right, but like. Um, this was oh God! Up, what, what was that? Uh, this was all brought up during Exile Returns. He briefly mentions Janine, and then right, right, right. I was gonna say, what was the backup story with the John Romita Jr. and John Romita Sr. artwork? That was um, the lost. Uh, that was the Parker years during the month that uh, ASM 400 came out. The one, the one of the few episodes you weren't on. Uh, you were sick that time when we covered that. But uh, yeah, right. Um, it's also known as Lost Year Zero. They collected all those stories. Right. I'm, try- I'm trying to remember if that story took... Pl- no, because he was in the Spider-Man costume. That, that was... Took- oh, that was after he got out. Okay, that was after Smokestack. Yes, that was right after the Smokestack. He goes and sees Mary Jane and Peter, you know, doing it. And- okay, or, I have the wrong story in mind, but the I guess the point I'm trying to make is he's referenced the fact that Janine is dead before, right? Right. I just don't remember if he has or not. He did um, at the very end of Lost Years. He said, you know, then everything fell apart after after Salt Lake City a couple years later. And then uh, they were together, you think, for like a year, year and a half. Right. Well, we, we, get, we get it in future issues. I'm just saying it was clumsily introduced because it, it, they reference it in such a way that it seems like it was a story that was published before. Yes. <laughs> But in fact, it wasn't. It was like the Wild Whip thing, where they just mentioned it like you're supposed to know. Yeah. But in fact, that was the... That was probably (laughs) going to be covered in the the last year's uh, regular series. Right. Which, which, uh, um, I guess I'll just ask it now before we recap number two. So, do you think that this was at least partially a repurposed script? Yeah. Like, do you think Demetrius had some some scripts, or or so a couple of outlines written out for a a Ben Riley series? Oh, yeah. He was supposed to write, and then he just took one of them, dusted it off, and turned it to this story? Yes. Okay. So, um, I'm going to do, real quickly, some, some Glenn comment from Life of Riley. And, or, let's actually give our thoughts first. What, what'd you, actually, we're going to give our thoughts on the entire series. How's that sound? Yeah, 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 that'll, be, that'll work better. Alright, so, uh, jumping in with Glenn Greenberg again. So there was a wonderful scene in Redemption Number 1 that had Ben Riley as Spider-Man visiting the grave of Harry and expressing his deep regret over Harry's death. That what anguished Ben the most was they never gotten to say goodbye to the young man that had been his best friend after all. Ben was on the road and, uh, and Peter was Spider-Man when Harry had his final nervous breakdown and res- reassumed his role as Green Goblin. He thought it was great that Mark had picked up on this and worked into the story. Ben's mourning the loss of Harry was a necessary thing to address, and oddly enough, none of the regular Spider-Man writers had ever dealt with it. The great thing about Demetrius is he understands the Spider-Man universe and its characters so well. He portrays them in such a realistic, believable way. Do you wonder why Glenn felt the need to get him back to the Spider-Man group in whatever capacity possible? This is where, <laughs> this is where we're going to get into the deep, kind of get in the deep, in the weeds a little bit. The thing he remembers most about Redemption, though, was the hell we went through during the development stage. 
It was Glenn's idea to have the main section of the storyline take place in the present day, with lost year's segments done as flashbacks. Mark DiMatteis loved the idea and was about trying to tie the present day material in with what was going on with the core Spider-Man titles. Problem was, at the time that they started working out the details of the story, they were getting different information almost every day from Bob Ulinski about what the status quo was going to be in the core books at the time, which were definitely going to be published. As a result, Mark DiMatteis had to keep revising his storyline over and over and over again. He revised the outline no less than seven times, emphasis him, before we finally knew once and for all what we were going to do with the series. The original version was simply a direct sequel to Lost Years, focusing on Ben Riley's relationships with Kane and Janine, but after DiMatteis turned in the first outline, we were informed that Ben was going to be killed and Peter was going to be back in the spider suit, established once again as the original web-slinger, and we were, we were broken up with Mary Jane... DiMatteis revised the outline to accommodate the changes with Peter as the star of the story, but it made little sense to put the Lost Year's name on the project. It began to look like the entire project itself was utterly unnecessary. At one point, it was looking very much like pulling the plug, like the plug was going to be pulled. But, but then we were informed by new editor-in-chief Bob Harris that the resolution of the Clone Saga had to be delayed for six months. That meant Ben would still be around and, and would still be a Spider-Man. It also meant that Lost Year's sequel could still happen. Although starting a Lost Year's story franchise or starting a Lost Year's franchise was not a dead issue. Consulting with Bob Yulinski, who was still editing Spider-Man, they worked out a new version of the story that was based on what was going to happen in the core books during those six additional months. Uh, can I stop you there? What the hell does he mean that, that, that the Lost Years thing would become a, a dead issue? You can still do that even after the Clone Saga. Agreed. What is he talking about there? Uh, what I think. I mean, th- th- this is the same time period where Untold Tales of Spider-Man is being published when, when Peter Parker is no longer Spider-Man. Oh, I know. It was like they. That makes no sense. It was like, <laughs> but I think at the time, once once they started getting that, you know, wrapping up the clone story, I don't think that there was any desire from anybody. And I think at that point they were starting to already make plans to bring Demetrius back into the fold. Um. Right, I, I, I just I think it's a little too casually dismissive of an idea that could have made the money. Oh, I agree. I, I would especially during a time period where where comics weren't making a lot of money. It was Bob Harris after all. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> this is a man that's creatively killed both major publishers now. Yeah. DiMatteis had to work in the fact that Ben Riley had taken on the Peter Parker identity and be wearing the original Spider-Man costume with the blessing of clone Peter and Mary Jane, who were staying in Portland. Ben, as Peter, would would explain to friends and acquaintances that he and Mary Jane split up, and he didn't want to discuss it. Mourning the death of Harry Osborn would bring him into contact with Harry's widow Liz and son Normie. Ben, Peter, slash Peter, would establish emotional bond with both of them. The seeds were planted for a possible future rom- oh, romance between Ben, slash Liz. Oh, God, no. <laughs> that would have been horrible. Once, Jesus. Yeah, once Bob Ulinski was gone and Ralph Macchio, had, <laughs> karate kid, had taken over as Spider-Man editor, okay. <laughs> they were then informed that Ben would not take on the Peter Parker identity after all. We then once began to doubt the project would ever see the light of day as Bob Harris had made it known he was not enamored at all with the Spider-Man limited series and special projects that have proliferated the market in recent times. And Glenn could see his point, but Glenn still wanted to do the project. Glenn thought it had merit, it had a strong creative team, we'd already put so much work into it already, and fortunately, they were allowed to proceed. What they ultimately ended up with was something that, something not at all different from the original version, although DiMatteis did have to make yet another revision. It was funny. I think it got to the point where Mark dreaded getting a phone call from me, from Glenn, 
because he had called him so many times to let him know there was a new status quo and to ask him if he had another set of revisions. But he did have to say this. Glenn was had the patience of or Mark had the patience of a saint and didn't complain once about all the work he had to do for a project that he knew would have, could have been canceled at any moment. It was always a pleasure to work with Mark Mateus and Glenn does not regret having and he regrets having uh, not having more opportunities to do so. He also has to mention that it was a blast working with Mike Zek and Bob McLeod, two artists that he long admired before working at Marvel. He got along with the very well with the both of them and always it was always exciting to see when Zek would drop by the office for a visit. He ever never got to meet McLeod, but uh, but he worked with him on a number of projects and he always turned in a great job. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm doing the recap of uh, Spider-Man Redemption Part Two. Well, hold on a second. I want to respond to a couple of things you in that stuff you just read All there. Right. Please respond. Oh my god. Okay, hold on a second. I was trying to. Uh, um, okay, uh, demon. Okay. okay, so so the whole idea that I just thrown out there that this might have been a repurposed outline. It sounds like that's exactly what it yeah, was. Yeah, that's why. Where, I the, was where the where the first draft was. He took a story from, and then he had to keep updating that draft, and then eventually just kind of circled back around to being what it was. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah it's like no, no less than eight different revisions. Phew. all set and done. Yeah, but, uh, I'm just, I'm just bugged by the idea they dismissed that lo- that Lost Years series Dude, I, so quickly. I, I think it would have been fantastic to have that. Because once they brought Peter Parker back as Spider-Man, and Untold Tales became kind of redundant, mm-hmm. you could just flip it around, and you could have it basically. That's Ben Riley's version of Untold Tales. Yeah. And then you just have that. That would have been great. Yeah. Plus, I, I love uh, the char- I love Janine's character. If I'm, re- if I recall correctly, these are the only two stories she ever appeared in. Yes. Well, she did make a cameo appearance in that one One More Day issue that they thought was Mary Jane and Peter. But... Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just a goof. <laughs> <laughs> was that panel from Lost Years? Or... Yeah, he thought it was Peter. I was like, nope, that's that's Janine and Ben. And we all we all gave Wacker a hard time. And he's like, crap! <laughs> oh, by the way, um, I know I'm playing with fire mentioning that that's the only story she appears in because somewhere somewhere in this city, it's very city that I'm in right now, Dan Slots just pulls his head up from out of, from his desk. He's like, yes, there's a character I haven't sullied yet. Oh, we don't know. We may see it next. Janine, Janine may be making an appearance in the next couple of months. Yeah, exactly. So, um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, please. I don't ask you for much, please. <laughs> Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> All right. Spider-Man Retention, Chapter 2. Although, you know, although hilariously, she's one of the reappearances that would actually make sense. <laughs> because A, she's not dead. Yeah. I guess, uh, spoilers to the end of the story, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and B, and B, and B, Ben Riley would actually have motivation to bring her back. Or, or, or get her out of the status quo she's in, which I'm trying not to spoil for a story that's 20 plus years old yeah. alright <laughs> alright continuing on part 2 of uh, Spider-Man Redemption it's called War Games it's written by D. Mateus Mike Zack and Bob McCloud do, do the work uh, two uh, security guards come in to the or two excuse me two police officers come in and see Ben cradling the lifeless body of Janine and uh, he asks what happened and Ben goes what happened he killed her and starts starts battling it out with the uh, with the cops and he's pissed off he goes back to janine and realizes it's just a dummy with a message that says meet me in the womb it was some sort of construct aka a clone 
<laughs> Sophisticated enough to fool Ben in the darkness and the confusion of battle, but that's <laughs> what? Yeah. So then, one of the some more cops show up and they're like, "What the hell's going on?" Then Kane is staring at himself in a mirror in the Jackal's lab when his face contorts to reveal the face of Ben Riley. He gets angry and then smashes the smashes the mirror. He then puts on his uh, containment suit. Uh, uh, yes, they mention in the in the caption that it's a, that it's a suit to slow his uh, clone degeneration. This is the only time it's ever been mentioned. Yes, we we've mentioned so many times in this podcast. We don't know where that came from, and that we would eventually we wondered if it was even in the comics. There it is. There it is. It's actually in redemption. I, Thank you. Mark. Yes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, that's what I. Okay, sorry. I have to roll back a little bit because you just reminded me of the thing I wanted to point out when you were giving that uh, Life of Riley recap. I'm sorry. What's that? <laughs> but it's actually a good point because uh, we were talking about that he, he mentioned, uh, Glenn mentioned that uh, Demetrius bringing up the Harry Osborne Ben Riley relationship and how that hadn't been touched on by any of the main writers. I was going to point out, it's not the last time you do that because remember in Brand New Day? Mm-hmm. He did a story in Spider-Man Family. Right. That what that was the only th- real story we got where Peter reconnected with Harry Osborn right. after he was resurrected, and I just thought there was a parallel there that I had to that I thought was worth mentioning because it, we we said in a previous maybe one or two episodes ago that Demetrius is essentially he didn't create the Harry Osborn character but he's essentially the character's real daddy so to speak. Mm-hmm. Just more evidence of that fact. How many of the great Harry Osborn stories were written by him in situations where other people forgot all about him right. when it would have been logical. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he brings yes, more yes, logic. God damn, it, God damn it, publishers, pay this man to write some comics. He's still around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, all he's doing is teaching, I think he's teaching some courses on writing. <laughs> I can make so many jokes right now. God damn it, pay this man to write your comic books. <laughs> yeah, I can make so many jokes right now. But anyway, so Kane, then, you know, starts destroying some equipment because he's get, he gets a little angsty. He then walks in and says, Hello, Janine. Then he tries <laughs> to mack with her, and then she, like, pulls her away because she's disgusted by his grotesque features and his giant Rob Zombie beard. Ben shows up... Well, well, hold on a second. No, she's not. She's more disgusted by what he represents because he's basically a rapist. <laughs> Jeez. My bad. Symbolism. Uh, symbolism there, yeah. This is a JMD Mateus story. You can't just look at surface level. That's a true story. So, uh, you know, Ben shows up, Kane pulls his mask off, and he explains that uh, this is his birthplace, this is where he's developed from his own cells, and, um, you know, he gets kind of he gets kind of emotional and starts talking about how his, how uh, the Jackal rejected him and started to beat him, trying to go tear him down and try to destroy him. His own father, the only thing he's really known. And then uh, Ben's like, I understand. He's like, you understand nothing. And then choke slams him to the ground. Starts beating, smashing his face against the ground. And he, he finally, Ben finally snaps, starts attacking him before Kane. Then uses his mark of Kane to catch his, after he catches his, uh, Ben's fists to distract him long enough and just beats the tar out of him. He then wakes up. Uh, then he gives, gives him some poison and wakes and puts him in kind of a delirious state where he's outside in the rain. In, uh, Kane's back in full costume and uh, in the house that Mary Jane and Peter are living in. So this is obviously tells you when this takes place. They moved in back into Aunt May's house. They go they go into his bedroom and bust in the window and uh, 
talks about how Kane talks about how the memories that would have comforted, comforted Ben or Peter tore him apart. He then sits there and says, uh, you, "You have suffered." Tells Ben that he has suffered and that he hasn't suffered enough. <laughs> he then redelivers Ben to back to his apartment. Janine is is alive and knocked out, and they start uh, having coffee. When somebody knocks on the door, and Ben thinks it's Kane because the spider sense is going off. But then a bunch of cops show up and arrest Janine. While Kane. Dun, dun, dun. While Kane watches in the shadows. And that's how the movie ends. Yes. It's the best war game since, uh, what was it, uh, uh, The Dangerous Alliance versus Sting Squadron. <laughs> that's funny. Well done. Uh, <laughs> just more weird wrestling references no one will get <laughs> um, alright so <clears throat> in the uh, uh, real quickly one uh, before we get to part 3 and, and Gerard does that recap uh, I wanted to interject with this little nugget from Glenn Greenberg on from Life of Riley last year's it ended with the revelation that Janine had died but we go when we get the go ahead to do the sequel um they encouraged Mark to find a way to use her again, either in flashback or present-day sequences. He really liked the character and felt there was a lot more that could be done with her. Mark told me he was thinking along the same lines, or told Glenn he was thinking along the same lines, which made Glenn even more enthusiastic to see this project come to fruition. So then we go to Part 3, which will be recapped by Mr. Delator. Spider-Man Redemption Part 3. Chains! <laughs> the issue begins with Janine looking very sad behind bars, holding on to it. She looks like she's completely cracked already, and she isn't even in... She's still in, like, general population lockup. Yeah, she's like in, she's the, gonna, she's like in the drunk tank right now. She yeah, she's not gonna, yeah, she's not going to do well in real jail. <laughs> she's already this depressed. She's probably been in jail for five minutes. So uh, the guards come to get her, and they point out, and they point out that uh, you know, they go to take her to the judge, and they point out that there's crowds of, of reporters and such waiting outside. So we got some internal narration where she's talking about all of the names that she's had and how there's really only one that meant anything to her. As she tells one of the reporters, "My name isn't Elizabeth; it's Janine." Hmm. So as as they're uh, taking her in the in a paddy wagon to go, there's being followed by a news van, and on the rooftops nearby, you have a, a figure in. Plain clothes, wearing a mask that's chasing after them. I think we know who that is. We'll find out in a second. Uh, the police lockup van manages to lose the news guys, but they're encountered by the masked man who breaks into the lockup and and takes takes a Elizabeth. He calls her "You're a dead woman, Tyne." He pulls her out. You know, he's being very aggressive, talking about how he's going to get her and stuff. Pulls her to a rooftop. Of course, it's Ben. He was just playing it up, you know, so that they wouldn't think they're in cahoots. Although, she pointed out, they're not in cahoots. <laughs> he didn't tell her any of this. And she's actually rather freaked out by it, because he was so out of character, so to speak, that she thought for a second that it might have actually been Kane. And, he, you know, he starts apologizing and such. And, you know, you have the, you have the dramatic rain that begins. <laughs> Demon Chase loves his rain, man. Actually, this is a, uh, the page where it transitions from from not raining to raining is actually really beautifully done by uh, Zach and McLeod. I got to give him a lot of props for that. Even the color is on point in this page. Uh, so, of course, Kane is watching them. He's not quite in the shadows because he's just kind of standing out in the open. When suddenly he has one of his uh, fits of of pain where he, he falls off of the roof and down into the alley between. Where I love the sound effect, scudf. 
S K U D F. That's a that's a Stanley esque uh, onomatopoeia right there. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's laying in the gutter. There's a rat chewing at his uh, his cloak. He pulls himself up a little bit. He starts ripping the cloak from him, and he, you know as he as he's having his dramatic moment. Uh, there's a bum in the corner where he almost attacks him before taking a little bit of pity on him and leaving him there with a piece of his cloak, by the way. So I think the bum appreciates it because he'll be able to cover himself with that in the rain. Ben and, and Janine at this point have basically resolved they're going to skip town. So they're having a little bit of, they're having some coffee or lunch or whatever at a diner before they do it. They're planning out how they're going to do it. He point Ben points out that he has some cash stashed away for some emergencies and, you know, she tries to talk him out of it, pointing out that he came back to New York for a reason. And he points out that he came back to New York for mostly for Aunt May and for other things. But when he came back, he realized that he doesn't really belong here anymore because he's a different man now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Aunt May died and Harry is gone and such. So really, his connection to New York is mostly gone. Right. And as he points out, Janine is the most important thing to him. So he wants to go with her. They flash back now as, as they're finally giving us a story about what happened in Santa Cruz, where they have a life together, and you know they're they're they're, they're almost. I love their name, George and Mary Bailey. Yes, it's nice, a wonderful uh, life. Yes, very timely for for when we're recording this. Yes. Yeah, uh, they even point out uh, what can we say? We're both Capra fanatics, mm-hmm. and. They're living in a pretty nice place. They have the top floor, I believe, of a uh, an apartment of uh, like an old Victorian house, mm-hmm. and it's a really nice setup. They're they're basically husband and wife at this point, living a very low key life. You know, he's getting work as a uh, he's working in a call center. No, yeah, yeah oh, uh, if he's starting to sell septic systems, very yeah. thankless job, but it's what he could get, as he points out. Uh, they have a playful little uh, pre-sex thing. <laughs> yep, I, that's the only way to describe it. Because, uh, you know, he's looking for his pants, which he can't find. Of course, being a woman, she knows where it is immediately. Yes. That's not a sexist joke. That's mentioned in the story. Yes, that is absolutely mentioned in the story. And if you're a dude, you do lose your, your stuff all the time. And somehow, somehow the women always know where it is. Yeah, you uh, know, it was always nice to have, have that with my ex-wife. But anyway. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> So, of course, he's still standing there in a towel. She pulls the towel off of him, and they have some uh, foreplay here. Then smash cut, and all of a sudden, she's sleeping in the bed with a smile on her face naked. What? <laughs> uh, then all of a sudden, Kane appears again. In the she shadows. Goes, yes, that actually, this time he is in the shadows. Uh, but, of course, he's, he's biker-look Kane right now. With his uh, with his glasses, his shades, and everything like that, and yeah, he throws her a pants on her. Get up and get dressed now, and he starts choking her, stuff threatening her. He takes her. T- <laughs> it's awkward. It's an awkward transition because he takes her to the Golden Gate Bridge, which isn't in Santa Cruz. It's in San Francisco. So they have to point out that they had to drive up the coast to go to San Francisco just so he could threaten her on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be a mistake, right? Like, <laughs> no, no, that that's Santa Cruz is like. Um, pretty close to San Francisco. I think it's oh. that's where the like the Niners play. Oh, yeah, but, but I guess Clara, the, I'm sorry, that's Santa Clara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is why didn't the whole story just take place in San Francisco? It's an odd transition. Yeah. It strikes me as the whole uh, George Washington Bridge, Brooklyn Bridge thing, where it's just <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge, which is not even colored like the Golden Gate Bridge. But anyway, well, it's it, the Golden Gate Bridge, much like Kane, is in the shadows right now. Mm-hmm. 
That's why you get the, although they look, although to be fair they look off the side and it's gray which is wrong but whatever <laughs> we'll we'll just accept it. So uh, he's threatening Janine and pointing out that he doesn't want Ben to live happily, and he you know points out the Gwen Stacy parallel. <laughs> Not like Gwen. He doesn't he doesn't say that. Yeah. But uh, he's threatening to throw her off. You know he's holding her over, telling her that that uh, you know all right here's what you're gonna do to screw with him. You're gonna leave. And you're never going to come back. And, it, he, and in exchange, he won't tell people that she's... The, or tell Ben or whatever that she's a murderer. Mm-hmm. Although, th- that made my ears perk up. Because didn't she tell him in Lost Years? Yeah. So, like, what? <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess he was threatening to make it publicly known that she's a murderer? Yes. Perhaps. It was yeah. just awkward worded. But uh, yeah, yeah, she points out that I guess she had to she had to uh, go along with this because she feared for Ben, and that uh, ultimately he would probably be better off without her. So she faked her death, and we find out really cripplingly that she left a suicide note. Jesus Christ, Janine! And, and, and that that Kane wrote made her write it over his sh- over while he stood over the shoulder. Yeah, what the hell? This like, is some <laughs> this is some dark stuff right here. These yeah. Yes, it is. And they even show there, there's a uh, there's a really neat page where uh, they do the nine the nine square grid. Um, each of the left squares is Janine in various states of being distraught. On the right side grid, you have Ben Riley looking shocked, then kind of angry, and then just kind of sad. And in the middle grid, you just have a, a sort of dramatization of her plummeting to her death off of the bridge. Right. Which, again, the implication here is that she left a suicide note saying that she went up to San Francisco and jumped. Which is a lot of truth in television, by the way. The Golden Gate Bridge, I believe, is the number one site of suicide in the United States. Yep. Uh, so, God damn it, DeMatteis, always doing his homework. So, uh, you know, he kind of forgives her and talks about how it's in the past. But we gotta get out of the city now because, you know, she's a wanted criminal. She escaped, she quote-unquote, escaped from prison. So, Kane appears... He, he bursts out through the floor of the uh, of the diner that they're in, which I thought was really odd. Yeah, it's dramatic, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's like the Kool-Aid Man, but not through a wall. Oh, yeah! It's shocked him through the floor. But, uh, so, yeah, they immediately have a fight. And, I mean, he's beating the hell out of Kane at this point, just overpowering him. And Janine's like, you know, you can't do this. You know, he wants you to become like him. You know, the classic superhero trope. And, and Kane, dramatically, as he's laying there, beating his face like rotten mashed potatoes he's like he already has become me in his heart of hearts he always was and i i was him but it's over now ben at long last it's over ben's like what are you and games goes boom next panel boom diner blows up next. next issue burning bright all right before we move forward with the rest of the recap i have a surprise for everybody <laughs> all right so we've brought in joshua lambertoni hey josh how are you Oh, hello, Clone Saga Chronicles. I used to be on this show. I used <laughs> yeah. to come on and do episodes. I'm uh, sorry, who, who are you? Yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. <laughs> I don't time. know anymore. We're, uh, I don't know. We are absol- we're actually going to recap uh, issue number four right quick, and then we're going to get on to our thoughts. So, um, anyway, that's, that's where we're at, Josh. <laughs> so, Josh, you have the recap of issue four. <laughs> okay, so, um, so, so Ben looks at Kane and says, Kane, what are you doing here? And he says, you know what I'm doing here. And he pulls from out of his little, like, cloak a microphone 
And he looks at Ben and says, you know what must be done. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, Janine, who was there the whole time, you know, comes out with a little slide guitar and you hear, and he's like, you know why Miles Warren grew us. You know that this is what we were meant for. He's like, what do you mean grew us? I'm still I'm still the real Spider-Man at this point, editorial wise. <laughs> You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> So uh, they begun their little song and dance number when all of us, when all of a sudden Janine started having inner monologue about daddy issues, but she didn't realize why until she remembered that it was actually a JMD Mateus comic. So while everyone was thinking about their father, including people who don't have fathers like Kane. Hey, look, it's me again doing another editor's note. Okay, so Josh has, you know, this incredible ability to come up with these and complete utterly and bs recaps right and doing it on the fly and as fun as it is you know eventually we have to get on and this lasted for for two and a half hours and so finally i had to rein him in and yeah back to the show before we get started with the recap though i want to jump in with some glenn greenberg comments i think this is the last time we'll see him in the rest of this episode all right so the original idea of the project uh title was to be lost years found to acknowledge that this was a sequel to lost years but it didn't fly. Mark and Glenn came up with a list of possible titles and settled on Redemption, although Resurrection came in a close second. He ended up using The Lost Years Found as the cover copy for the first issue of the series. In duality, of course, as as Josh just alluded to, uh, comes up a lot in Demetrius' writing, and it's a favorite subject of his. He has a real penchant to, uh, for exploring the darkness and the light of his uh, in the souls of his characters and stripping away the layers surrounding them to reveal their deepest selves. So particularly enlightening when he does it to long-established characters such as Spider-Man, Superman, and Batman, about whom you think you you might think everything has already been said. Anyway, alright, that concludes the, the Green Greenberg comments. And of course, this leads us to our part four of our adventure, where this is the finale of the where the finale of the miniseries comes into play. Our issue opens in Kane's earliest memories of birth and his rejection by the jackal. Kane then saves a short order cook from certain death in the big splash page with our credits of J.M.D. Mateus, Mike Zick, and Bob McLeod did the plot, story, and art. Uh, Christy Steele was the colorist, Jim Novak did the letters, and Glenn Greenberg is the assistant editor with Tom Brevoort as the editor, quote-unquote, as we've already alluded to earlier. <laughs> And editor in chief, <laughs> as if as if Josh knows what you mean by that. Yeah, but earlier in the episode we talked about how this was really uh, Glenn Greenberg's baby. But anyway, um, <laughs> I've been here the whole time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> editor <laughs> editor in chief is Bob Harris, and even in the clone trades, they don't omit it like they do in the Spider Girl trades for some reason. Yeah, what? Why? I, I still don't know why they do that. It's I, odd. It is very very odd. Uh, Kane is questioning why he saved the man. And re-enters the Inferno to die. Janine is alive and conscious and is begging Kane to let them go. He explains that she is just as a worthless piece of crap (laughs) as him and Riley, and she deserves to die too. Ben then comes to agreeing that he is a piece of shit and to let the girl go. Kane stops, thinks, and decides to save them. On the roof, he asks Ben to go live his life with with Janine, but the one thing he asks in return is for him to for Ben to kill him first. Ben tells him he is grateful, but he, that he just can't let him die. He needs to atone for his sins. Kane is then upset with this and attacks Ben. Ben tries to explain that the only way he can find peace is to turn himself in, and then the cops begin to close in. 
<laughs> There's a detective on the ground that goes full Vince McMahon and goes, that's, that's gotta be Kane! While he's pointing up at the roof. <laughs> Who else could climb a building like that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kane uses one of the, takes one of the officers hostage and tries to commit suicide via cop. Ben saves his and Kane bitterly asks, Why? Ben doesn't doesn't have to respond. He did it because it was the right thing to do. Janine also realizes that what she must do, and that is turn herself in. Kane surrenders himself, and we we end with Ben in full costume, watching over Janine as she's being transported. That she'll always have that guardian angel forever and ever and ever. Never to die. This... <laughs> Never to appear again. <laughs> or be mentioned again. In fact, oh no, no, she will appear again, except they'll call her Mary Jane. And she'll be in someone else's, she'll be in someone else's flashback. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we referenced that earlier. <laughs> Believe me. Uh, Alright, so that is the end of the recap of Lo- of Redemption. You almost called it Lost Years. I heard. I caught that. Lost Years found, aka Redemption. Lost Years two, Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> I'm going to start. Lost Years two, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, we're going to start with Gerard. Give we it are. Your... Yes, we're going. To... Oh, you mean the actual comics? Okay, so Spider-Man. Or... Okay, I love this story, and uh, you know how we kind of came to the conclusion that the Lost Years was probably the best Ben Riley story. Yeah. It might not make logical sense, but I think this is probably the best Kane story, even though he's in both. Yes. And I guess that well, would be because one story accentuates one character's strength while this story accentuates the other ones. Yeah, yeah, that's a better way to, to, to explain it. So, in a lot of ways, this is just a typical of Demetrius. This is this is mostly a character study of of Kane especially, but also they get a lot of Janine in this one, and yes. not quite as much with, Kate, with Ben, but you get some. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the relationships between all of them. And the, I'm, I was surprised reading this. I haven't read this in years. I was surprised reading it how much... I was surprised by how much we got between uh, Kane and Janine. Yes. Which really made me realize that they didn't do a lot of that at all, or at all in Lost Years, but boy, did it work here. I, don't, I, don't, I can't quite put my finger on why. Um... Great artwork, of course. Second McCloud. Come on, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I also have to give Christy Sheel a lot of credit. It's one of her best coloring jobs, I think. And the, and the lettering does... The, the different lettering. Uh, great script by D. Mateus. I know people, a lot of people mock how wordy and, and like exposition-y his scripts can get. But it works for miniseries like this because it, it, it sort of elevates it to having like a big story feel to it. Oh, dude! Like you can't, you can't bend this this mini Like you can't just sit there and read this in ten minutes. This is like a half hour sit down, read it, and really, I, I mean, digest it type story. Yeah. Yes, but also it, it works for a lot of the reasons that like you might make fun of like an issue of Amazing that he did in the same exact style. Right. Where like the, the story that they're telling here is it justifies it much more directly than than something like you know random issue of ASM. So mm-hmm. th- I always thought that he was better suited to writing miniseries and less ongoings. I know it's kind of a controversial opinion, but whatever. Uh, I love that Flash Thompson scene where he's in the bar. Yes. Because it's it, it almost is out of place in the story. This is Flash's only appearance, mm-hmm. but at the same time. I feel like that almost kind of sets up what he would do with him later in his spec run. 
Yes. I, I mentioned that in, when I did the Betty and Flash articles uh, 500 years ago that, like, um, it's it's funny because, you know, this plays into what happened later, and J.M.D. Mateus, like, you know, wrote that as well. Right. And then uh, Kane is, like, physically monstrous in this story. And they, of course, oh my gosh, he is. <laughs> and and uh, by the way, I don't know if you caught this, Josh, but Zach and I had mentioned it earlier in the episode that they do mention in this in this in issue number two that the suit uh, slows down its clone degeneration. So finally, it was confirmed on the page somewhere. Yeah, I knew that we knew that, but I didn't remember when we found that out. And I feel like you know this, this, maybe yeah, we, well yeah, but we, I we but talked I, about I, it. I know I know that we find it out here, but I know that we've been talking about it since the beginning. But like yeah. I feel like readers would have known before this, maybe because of like well, letters was, pages or like the mentioned. 1994 version of Twitter or something. It was mentioned on one of the editorial pages before, like right. when they were doing the yeah. profile of Kane, they mentioned they like original. But this is the first time it appeared in the story. It was during the Return right. of Kane arc. Um, it was a little blurb by Bob Ulansky. and we were. I remember all of us going, "Really? That's never been mentioned on the page up at this point. We've covered every single Kane appearance up to this point. Are you kidding us?" <laughs> Well, because they couldn't reveal that it was due to clone degeneration because we right. didn't know until Trial of Peter Parker that he was a clone. Right. And then yep. he dies five minutes after Trial of Peter Parker <laughs> in maximum clonage. So that's true. That's true. Right. And then and then Return of Kane is when he, you know, quote unquote, comes back after his little like, you know, hey, his Kane's tomb is empty in that, you know, annual that, you know, that doesn't loved, exist. That, that Don, yeah. Don and everybody, everybody on the show loves so much. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Editor's note, episode thirty-three. <laughs> oh my God, you know which episode it is? Yes, that that, that was. I just remember it because it was Donovan's rage, and it was episode thirty-three. Ah, right. And I believe episode thirty-five was the episode where he first said that it makes no sense for somebody to get irrationally angry at a comic book. And I just snickered in the background because I remembered like we we just had an episode called Donovan's Rage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what in the hell are you talking about? But anyway, um, okay. So a couple of like quick hit notes I have here. All right. Um, there's a bit where Kane, where they're in the Aunt May's house, and Kane picks up that photo of uh, Peter, Uncle Ben, and Aunt May, and he goes to like punch it, like to smash the photo, and he just sort of stops himself and gently puts it down. It's, it's it's easy to miss, but I thought it was a nice little humanizing moment for him. Dude, that that whole scene where he's like, "You've suffered too, haven't you, Ben?" And when he takes him back, that was that was the start of the turn for Kane. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, do, he 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 makes a face turn in the story, doesn't he? He kind of yes. does. Because yes, then there's a bit where there's a bit where he pulls the kid out of the of the fiery wreckage and he goes back in to die. <laughs> Very emo of him, by the way. Yeah. And then uh, Janine convinced him to say, and he kind he smiles. It's creepy because you know, because it's Kane. But he does smile before he pulls them out. Yes. And then uh, of course, there's a little nice little moment with Ben where uh, he doesn't hesitate at all to just to break into the the lockup, save Janine, mm-hmm. promise to skip town, like just immediately, like he doesn't even consider it. Which I found interesting because this, this is like the classic. The moment where Peter would fu- would friggin' angst over this for six hours, like on a rooftop, he'd have a photo of Gwen that he's staring at, shaking his fist at. They'd be floating heads off in the clouds, and <laughs> yep. like Ben, he's just like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna skip down, screw it. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this shows the difference between Peter and Ben, though, quite yes. quite a bit. Um, I, I, the only one and only negative I've written down in my notes here, and this is my last point. Um. Boy, that whole thing with Janine, the construct of her. Yeah. 
issue one, beginning of issue two. What the hell was that? Yeah. That okay, was... so, so was she replaced the entire time before that? Or was it just in that scene? Like, I was confused by that at first. Uh, I think it was supposed to be the whole time, right? Uh, I thought I, that it was just that scene, but, I, like... I, I thought well, it, it is It is a little ambiguous, but I thought it was just in that scene. Like, because if it was the whole time, that really doesn't make any sense, because they were hanging out for weeks. Right. And, they needed, and like, or I'm, assu- I'm assuming they had had sex a few times, to be quite honest. So the fact that you wouldn't notice that he's a robot would be really bizarre. I feel well, like such a genetic construct is, like, just, like, really a really weird and random thing to do. It's, like, almost as pointless as, like, Kane in the Spider-Man costume for, like, five seconds. Like, yeah, and then, like, he pulls her face off with no effort. Like, I got the impression that, like, her skin looked really fake up close. Yes. The implication kind of- was was that he he kidnapped Janine, threw her in the back, had this had been stalking them, got got similar clothes for Janine, and then threw the construct out there. Because, like, even Ben says in issue two that, that the darkness kind of uh, hid that it was a con that it wasn't real. So he pulls her into the window with the mannequins, right? That's the real Janine. Yes. And then he like throws her in a back room and either he either like takes her clothes off, whoa, what the hell, and puts it on like a construct, or he happens to have identical clothes already on a construct that's in the same building that he assumed they would walk past. This really doesn't make any sense. Well, you have to think that Kane was stalking them the whole time, and so he made, he kind of planned so he knew their route ahead of time, so he's like, they're going to walk by this mannequin store and she'll be wearing these exact clothes. Yeah. Well, Janine is um, a drifter, so she only has a certain, like, small set of clothes that she travels no, with. No, 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 because they had been hanging out for weeks, according to the narration. Right, but in, but in the like, end of those weeks... They were going to Broadway but, but, shows and stuff. Their money then, was spent. But before then, she was a drifter, so she probably didn't get any new clothes, because she's like, I got these four outfits I can rotate. So Kane, studying their habits, knew what four clothes she had, and then just had, like, each pair on standby, and then when he saw, okay, she's getting close to the mannequin store, okay, it's this outfit, and then he looks in, like, the set that he has, like, huh, Kane is always prepared. <laughs> I could almost believe that. <laughs> but not quite. You almost got there, Judge. Yeah. You were almost convincing. But yeah, 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 that was a bunch of BS. That's really the only blemish on this story, and it's not even a significant one and for, for, like, grade purposes. So I'm giving this one an A-plus for sure. A-plus from Gerard, all right. Uh, great, great story. Go out and find a copy somehow. Yes, or, or pick up uh, Epic Book number four. Uh, or don't pick up Epic Book number four, because they're all out of print and they're expensive as hell. Oh, but um, uh, this is probably be over by the time you're hearing the episode, but um, Comixology had a clone saga, like, Epic Book Sale, where, like, they were all, like, five bucks. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> Well, it may, yeah, it, they may they may keep it up through a clone conspiracy, and I'll and if you're a Marvel uh, Unlimited reader, I'll bet you five bucks that pretty soon they're going to do a giant Ben Riley dump where they'll have all of the. Ben they Riley. did a while ago, like they had like you can read through the entire clone saga, and then I was like, oh sweet, and then like I remembered that, and I was like, oh, instead of searching through my long boxes or you know. Or um, um, using my friend Tor to, like, you know, try and rent some comics. I figured, um, you know, oh, yeah, let me just go to Marvel Unlimited and, like, get their copy of Redemption. And I couldn't find it on Marvel Unlimited. I was like, what what the heck? But the last time... Well, last what? time I said that was, like, uh, when I told Gerard that there was no Spider-Girl on Marvel Unlimited, and it turns out the whole run was there. 
and somehow I couldn't find it. <laughs> uh, maybe, the, maybe the search function is just borked. Actually, I, I went and looked, and what they did was is the first five trades, which is the Clone Saga trades, are all on there, but they haven't done the Ben Riley. They haven't put the Ben Riley trades up yet. Oh, uh, okay. Which I'm boy, just, boy, the the individual issues are on there though, right? The individual <laughs> amazing issues are already on there. But yeah, not, not spectacular web and sensational. Yeah. This is, a, this is a strangely incomplete service. It's, it's one of those it's things. It's still a good service, though. Like, it's you really know. handy, but it's, it's well, sure, like, like, you, know, you have every issue of missing, Like does suck, but that being said, you know, for what you get, it's pretty good. Hey, kids, okay. love the Clone Saga. Well, here's the issues that suck. You could read them on Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> want the awesome, want the awesome Ben Riley as Spider-Man stuff? Well, instead we got, you know, stuff like Smoke and Mirrors, Maximum <laughs> Clonage, Trial of Peter Parker, all your favorites, you know, Clone Saga moments, like Peter punching Mary Jane in the face, Peter joining forces <laughs> with the Jackal, <laughs> the Spider-Man writers telling you that homeless people are important. <laughs> Kane as Spider-Man for five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Special bonus! Play of the symbiote. <laughs> Act now, but it <laughs> because because these deals won't be cloned forever. But it- no. <laughs> All right, Josh, give us your thoughts on, on this story. Well, um, I'm What's straight out of work, so whatever my notes are, they are not with me. So I'm just going to go from, you know, like my general memories and impressions. Um, this is, um, as Gerard, you know, used some of the points. Um, and I think I said on our little Facebook chat before, this is the greatest Kane story that I have ever remember being told. And, um, and rightfully so, because most of the other Kane stories, you know, ex- until we get to the Scarlet Spider series by Yost, uh, He's never really the focus of a story. He's always like, you know, like reacting the stuff that either the Jackal's doing or that somebody else is doing or, you know, like Return of Cain was such a waste of time. In fact, I think that was the last episode that I was even on, was it? I don't know. But like uh, yeah. Return of Cain, like they use Return of Cain to basically like deal with the great game instead of the implications of Cain, you know, has returned, you know, and like all the emotion. Like this is what Return of Cain should have been. You know, the exploration mm-hmm. of Ben Riley's relationship with Kane. And we were able to really focus on it here because it wasn't, as a miniseries, this didn't have to deal with things like, you know, skeletons in the smoke snack and, um, yeah. uh, and what, and what Multivex was and, you know, the great game and, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot on, of plot at all. There was a big pardon. There wasn't a lot of plot to get in the way of the, the whole character study aspect of it. Right, yeah, exactly. So they were able to sit down and focus on it, and this is the only time that we've been able to do that with Kane. And uh, so that's one of the reasons why it was a strength. And um, I made fun of before, and it'll I don't know if it'll be in the main body of the episode, the bloopers, you know, how J.M.D. Mateus-like's characters do always do these long inner monologues, you know, revealing, like, all their thoughts and desires. And while it does get pretty tired and uh, cliche, you know, even at this point, it works for, you know, this story, you know, and, and I liked it, you know, you get what I love about JMD Mateus stuff is you, you do get emotionally invested in, you know, the villains in his books, you know, just like, I mean, he did a vulture story that, you know, never had me look at the vulture the same way again when he apologized to Tom May for, you know, killing Nathan Dobunsky, like, um, obviously his Harry Osborne and vermin stuff and everything. And now with came, which is why he was one of the perfect clone saga writers, because, um, and here you have James DiMatteis outside the reins of, you know, having to do part, you know, three of a five-part story or something like that. Right. There was more consistency, 
you know, this story got to be paced a certain way because it wasn't being told by multiple writers. So that's one of the other reasons why this is the best of the Clone Saga. And because it's kind of free from the continuity, a lot of people have debated, like, where in the Clone Saga it takes place. Um, you know, like, chronologists and stuff. Um, which which is fine. I like how it kind of stands on its own. Um, you know, even when they go to Aunt May's house, it's like, oh, Peter and Mary Jane, you know, aren't here right now. They're off doing, you know, Peter and Mary Jane stuff for reasons. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, Zach, to ask a question related to that, where does the where do the Clone Saga trades put this? All right. So in the Clone Saga trades, we have um, what they did was they put this in part four. This story starts right after the Jessica Carradine story. Which Jessica Carradine? You mean uh, uh, Sensational last, number six? Yeah, Sensational six, and then they do Redemption. Okay. And then, then you have the amazing Toy Story issue, where he fights all the toys and Mysterio and all that stuff. That, that's the one immediately after yes. Redemption, the trades. Yes. Hmm. So it takes place between, between here and there, and then they have a... Uh, that, Okay. So this is a okay. So this is just somewhere in the middle of Ben's adventures as Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, this is before onslaught. So this is kind of yeah. A lot of people used to try and like place this like towards the end, and in fact, like it caused not a conflict, but you know, a challenge on Spider Jeopardy because um, uh, Kevin thought that Ben's most recent love interest when he died was Janine, and I had said that it was Betty. Right. Was Betty because in the Clone Saga trades. Very, uh, that, that unlimited issue is like one of the last ones uh, before, well, and, and and they're not broken up at the end of that unlimited issue. They're like they're not only dating, but like their relationships like going to the next level. Not sex, but I mean like they've reached like a deeper emotional level by the end of that mini series. Such a deep emotional level for Betty that when Ben dies, she never mentions him again, and like you know, <laughs> and starts like screwing Flash Thompson, you know, like you know, in the uh, post uh, Clone Saga All titles right, almost so, immediately. So what they do is, is they in the Clone Saga trades, they uh, they have that they have the uh, Daredevil, which is the Daredevil Don Portnoy story, Spider Man seventy three and seventy four. <clears throat> And then ASM 417, which is the uh, that wonderful issue where we have uh, Judas Traveler's Dude. final appearance. Right, right. And, we sure do miss him. Yeah, and then uh, Unlimited 14, which is where he starts dating Betty. And then we have, inexplicably, you listen to the miniseries episode, uh, I covered uh, Spider-Man Team Up number 5, where... Um, where that story takes place, and then right after Spider-Man Team Up number five is Spectacular 240, which is the first part of Revelation. Okay, so so that Team Up issue is probably just a random. Yeah. We just got to get it in before before uh, Revelation, <laughs> before Ben melts. <laughs> so so basically, that unlimited story is the. Mm-hmm. But considering how they kind of ignored it, I'm not even sure. Yeah. But yeah, but the point, well, the, I guess the point stands, though, is that Redemption takes place long before that. Yes. Yeah, but but it was published closer to the end, too, which is why, you know, people argue about the chronology. Yeah, but it, right. And, uh, it, I thought the genetic construct thing, and it's also, um, 
it's weird because like at the end of you know lost years um you know he rides off into the sunset with janine you know it's it's been a little while since i but right like she's like still like alive at the end of lost years he mentions that she dies though in the narrative yeah and it's just like weird that like you know at this it's like oh she was dead oh you're alive i thought you were dead and then he thinks that like she dies again it's <laughs> I like that we finally got the explanation in Lost Year, in, in Redemption, though. I mean, that... Yeah. That that scene where we finally get to see how she quote-unquote died was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, whatever. <laughs> it's... I, I didn't like the... It, it's kind of like they wrote themselves into a corner with Lost Years, so they had to deal with it with this, and that was like... Kind the, of like that, that's, exa- that's exactly what happened. They mentioned it in Life of Riley. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, like, there you go. I'm I'm, I'm glad that um. <laughs> well, uh, for, for the record, I just looked it up. The uh, 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 Lost Russia Redemption had a September '96 cover date for the first issue. That was the month that Sensational Eight came out, and uh, the first part of Onslaught, I guess. Oh, okay. Which is amazing. Four fifteen, you know that kind of. Thing. So, it takes place slightly before when it was published. Yeah, it takes place <laughs> two months in, in publishing time before it's published. Not even like b- 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 takes place between say sensational six and seven, yeah. just to s- slap a month on there. So this takes place the same. Th- it was published the same month as eight. So we were talking mm-hmm. slight, like a slight nudge. It wasn't even as far as we have it, it in our like brains. Right at, I mean, when you when you read it in the trades, it's like he like Jessica leaves and exits the stage left, and then Janine goes back. He's like on to the next J girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and it is weird. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, get out of here and, like, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, no thought of, like, the coffee grind people or, of you know, yeah. uh, Desiree or of, uh, well, like, I guess um, Jessica would have been gone. But it's like, he, he's just like, screw this whole supporting cast that, like, you know. They even appear in the story. <laughs> that, I, that I've bonded with, you know, like, Devin's like, you were going to help me build my, you know, uh, box car for Boy Scouts. Who's going to help me do it now? Uh, <laughs> Zach, you know when he goes in his apartment, he's drinking that milk. I'm imagining the side of the milk carton has Gabrielle Greer's face on it. <laughs> oh man! Oh, that was actually our last recording was when we were talking about Gap, the last appearance of Gabrielle Greer. <laughs> oh, the one that caught us all off guard. We're like, whoa, what the hell? Yeah, like we thought that we'd never see you again, and you never will. <laughs> what were we even covering? Because it was something that was published earlier, right? That we just hadn't gotten to. It was, uh, it was that Blizzard backup story. Okay, so it wasn't like some situation. Well, wait, no, 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 because she, she's never in the oh, bedroom. Right, right. Okay, okay, because it wasn't a situation where somebody remembered her and wrote her into one of the later stories. It was just one that from earlier, probably yeah. around the same. Time. Imagine like the next issue of Clone Conspiracy. He's like, yes, you know, ah, oh, look, my girlfriend's here, and then like Gabrielle Greer and like you know a Honey Rider bikini, like you know, <laughs> curls up next to Ben, like Jackal, honey. <laughs> you remember Gabrielle, don't you, Peter? No, really? <laughs> well, well, she's here too. Oh, d- d- don't think Zach and I didn't mention that. I, I really hope Dan Slot doesn't remember that Janine exists and somehow puts her in clone conspiracy. Oh God, I don't want to see that. Somewhere, Dan Slot feels a disturbance in the force. Mm. Let's just let's just call it for what it is. He got a boner because well, he, well, uh, he, 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 he wouldn't bring her back because she's not dead. So like. Well, well, yeah. the, but, 
but that's why I was pointing out to Zach that oh my god, it actually makes perfect sense to actually write her into the story. <laughs> this is one those, this is the one chance that I would actually say it would be justified for her to be there. So of course she won't. <laughs> yes, because it's like he's in jail. Like you know, he could like at some point just decide to break her out if it makes any sense for his motivation. I don't know. She's like, at last, I've been trying to escape jail for years, even though, like, you know, she went willingly in, like, a J.D. <laughs> Maseya story because Slot doesn't care about motivation of characters. <laughs> anyway. You know, like, actually, Kafka, the person who, like, you know, thought that Carnage was redeemable and could see the good in everyone, she's like, oh, Massacre, you know, he sure does suck, guys. He's irredeemable, something that I, actually Kafka, am in character for saying. <laughs> yeah. so, Although now that I think about it, he, he Dan Slott would probably have it that Janine was like he just gets out on parole and she just immediately gets shot by a sniper like three seconds after she gets out. Yeah, because this guy loves killing off characters, okay. especially female ones. Hey, uh, hmm? uh, didn't, he do, didn't he do that with? Uh, yeah, he did. Joyce he did Delaney, with... like he had yeah. Joyce Delaney appear for like the first time in, since the nineties, and she gets or actually. He might not have written that though. I that was in. Um, no, I think it was a plot by Slot, but written by Van Van Linte. I, I think I think that was like Van Linte. That was in like that weird, like horrible, like uh, oh yeah, hashtag one shots. Yeah, yeah, that one was so bad. You call you like called me immediately to complain about the continuity errors. <laughs> I remember that. That was the one. Yeah, where I remember. It's like the Gwen Stacy clone is like tied up to the bomb in Ned Leeds' place, and it's like okay. They, ha- they would have had to have, like, referenced the cover to, like, draw this scene. So, like, <laughs> th- which means that, like, they messed this up on purpose. Unless, like, they thought, wow, for some reason they drew Gwen in, like, a green business suit and short red hair. We better fix that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Ross Andrews sucks. He doesn't know how to draw women at all. <laughs> you mean, like, that uh, omit uh, story where... In that one page, the the thug with the gun is like a, a blonde-haired white guy, and then all of a sudden, for the rest of the story, he's a Hispanic guy with greasy black hair. It's like what? <laughs> you had you you published the pages in the story. You had to have seen them, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a damn sense. <sighs> anyway, uh, what was your? But grade? Redemption was a good comic, and I give it an A. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Redemption was awesome, Zach. What did you think about it? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I, when I talk about the Clone Saga, and, and I talked about this with Michael Bailey back on episode 103 of the, from the Long Box. Um, yes, I looked that up before I said it. Uh, I, I talked about one of the quintessential stories of Spider-Man in the Clone Saga. So, yeah, my thoughts on on, on Redemption. I give this an A+. This is, this is far and away one of the best stories. <laughs> one of the best stories that uh, was published in the Clone Saga. This is one of the reasons I'm a fan of Kane as a character. Um, I love Janine, love Ben, um, and how effective they were used in the story. And I feel like we would have gotten the daily grind had the status quo, like I explained with uh, um, Glenn Greenberg and everything, had there been a clear you know, uh, way to do this story. But considering it got revised a, a whopping eight times, and I'm not doing that as, as hyperbole, that's exactly what was said on the page, um, I understand why they didn't bring in the daily grind, but I I love the story. I love um, the relationship with Janine and, and Ben, and I really wish we would have gotten that Untold Tales of Ben Riley uh, series. Yeah, and, yeah, and it really maybe that's what David and Bagley are doing. Yeah, but I was I will we'll get your thoughts on that in a minute, but uh, um, I'll be honest with you, I'm very very pleased 
with with this with this particular story. I, I I think it's one of those that you definitely need to pick up in the single issues, and uh, or, and or trades. So, um, yeah, definitely love. Again, I love this. I love this story. I love the issues. Um, really well done. If you if if there's a top five Clone Saga story, this would definitely be number two or three. Um, with Lost Years and, and Revelations being you know one and two respectively. Uh, uh, although special note, this is probably one of the sleeper picks because I totally for I, I think we tried that once where you said like what well, are our five favorites? I completely forgot about this one. Well, and I and I feel like the popular perception of the Clone Saga also generally forgets this because I rarely hear it mentioned. Because it's not tied into the larger Clone Saga narrative the way that, like, like a Lost Years or something is. It's, you know, and it's not part of, like, oh, who could ever forget, you know, like, this revelation from this part of the Clone Saga. Like, except for the fact that, like, this has Ben Riley and Kane, it, it's almost not even, like, a Clone Saga story because, like, it's divorced from the events of it. The only person like, I've ever seen that bring, bring, ever brought it up, two people, Dimitrius himself and... Um, Chris Yost. <laughs> Chris Yost on Twitter. It's, it's, it's almost like those guys actually do read the back issues to make sure that their stuff makes sense. Yeah, he said that when he was uh, Yost said himself on Twitter that um, the two stories that Kane stories that he immediately gravitated towards were Lost Years and Redemption. Because those are like the only ones that like explore him aside from like, you know. And in fact, this is like the last major appearance of Kane until um, uh, uh, Brand New Day. Because you know, even though he appears in like some post Clone Saga issues of Amazing, it's basically like glorified cameos. And then you yeah. know, we get him as a regular supporting character in Spider Girl, but that's like the Kane of another universe that's far superior to this one and stuff like that. This is, yeah. yeah, that was the case. <laughs> nice, nice pandering, by the way, Josh. I, I, I called into your show, you know. So, before we before we head out, since we've all given our thoughts on on redemption, uh, Josh, you weren't part of the first part of the episode because of uh, because of work. But give us your thoughts about the return of Ben Riley and the uh, possible Bagley uh, Peter David series. It's really in character what Ben Riley's doing because. Um, if you look at all these past clone saga issues, like um, when he's meeting Peter on the top of that roof, you know, in a uh, power and responsibility, he's like, yes, Peter, it's me. And one day I would just love to dig up, you know, uncle Ben's grave and clone it and clone all your dead villains, like Bart Hamilton and turning it. See, there's that moment. <laughs> and then there was that moment. And like, um, um, the trial of Peter Parker, where he and Peter are having that fight, and he's like, "You stole five years of my of, of your life." Oh, this reminds me of how one day I totally want to, you know, like grow a Bart Hamilton clone and bring all the men back to the dead. And um, <laughs> in Revelations, when they're in the attic and they're like, you know, talking about their childhood and stuff, and they're like, "You're like a brother to me." And Uncle Ben was like an uncle to us. And one day I'm going to bring him back from the dead, along with, you know, like some D-list villains for some reason. So the seeds for this have actually been planted since, you know, before Dan Slott was even at Marvel. And I I admire them for, you know, going back and picking that out because I didn't even 
realize that Ben Riley was saying that stuff till I went back and looked, and I was like, "Wow, how did we totally miss that on like Clone Slider Chronicles?" But uh, it you know fits; what? it's you know in character, not? and it's and it's subtle. You the whole what? subplot where he was a megalomaniac was so under the radar <laughs> we didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> it happened so gradually that no one noticed. Well, like, <laughs> of, for a porn channel, yes, <laughs> in the year 2012 or whatever year it was supposed to be. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so, uh, so um, as of this recording, only like one issue has come out. I think the next one comes out tomorrow. I'm not sure. Yes, yeah, but, we, t- we mentioned that at the top as well. Okay, so a lot of my grievances and things I have to say might be addressed by what's coming out tomorrow. Um, in the meantime, though, there's a lot of people who say, you can't review the story before it's over. You can't review it. You know what? Yes, you can, because guess what? These are being published as, like, single issues that you can Thank read from you. the end. The, like, oh, no, you have to wait till the story's complete. You can, but guess what? When, the, when these things are periodicals, like, I'm yeah. not going to, like, you know, watch an episode of, you know, Everyone Loves Raymond, and then what would you think of it? Well... The season's not over yet, so let me see, you know, how the whole season plays out before I can digest how I feel about this chapter. You know, I wrote, like... I, you know, I wrote an editorial up that's on, uh, both on Spider-Dude and CrossFit. <laughs> and it... I literally say that. I'm like, look, I've got a bunch of million questions. We'll see if these million questions are going to be answered. He did do a good job answering the Kane questions about, you know, but what about the New Warriors? and Because and, he asked about the New Warriors and... It's, if he's been on Loom World this entire time, why wasn't he in Web Warriors? Well, they explain that too. Okay, that makes sense. So my opinions on it could change later. However, with what we have now, first of all, there's a lot of questions. Um, the joke about growing out his roots is stupid because you're a clone, and when you're cloned, your hair dye isn't cloned because your hair dye is not in your DNA. So he wouldn't need to grow out his roots. And why wouldn't and, he just go back and re and re dye his hair? Anyway. Yeah, well, whatever. And then there's the whole, and this is about the larger stories. All well, on saying, no, these aren't clones. These are better than clones because they have all their memories to the point of death. And I'm like, that's still a clone. In fact, like by that logic, Ben Riley wouldn't be a clone because when he and Peter like woke up in Shea Stadium, they each had like memories to the same exact point because the jackal like stole Peter's memory cells, like stuff like that, like. The person having memories up till their death is not what makes them a clone or not. They're still a clone. Like, I don't... But they keep on insisting that these aren't clones, but then they say they're clones, and then they call it the clone conspiracy, and they say they're not clones, and he's like... And then Ben Riley says, no, I'm not a bad guy. I'm just capturing people, and, like, I'm surrounded by all of your D-list villains instead of, you know, your friends. Like, I mean, yeah, there's, like, you know, Lizard and George Stacy and Gwen and stuff, but it's like... You know, we're just like, seize them and like stuff like this. And like, oh, but no hurting because we're the good guys. It's like, that's not Ben Riley. And then <laughs> what? What is happening in this story? <laughs> well, like at one point you get Bart Hamilton, like Green Goblin, like he's there, which I joked about. It's like, why would Ben Riley say of all the people who he could bring back from the dead, he's going to bring back Bart freaking Hamilton? Like, why? Yeah, yeah. And Jason Bill like, as the as Jack-O-Lantern. And then well, 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 again, as we've, as we've pointed out many times, because this isn't for storytelling purposes, this is for Dan Slott psychologically 
himself purposes. Oh, we, we even talked about that on, on that other show. Uh, we even said it was that it was him other checking. show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was him. Literally Last checking. time I did that, Gerard, I was like, "Wow, that was a deep, you know, reference cut." <laughs> <laughs> it still is. Uh, but he, he, we even said that this is literally Dan Slott trying to write. You know, I, on Spider Verse, he was writing every Spider-Man ever, quote unquote. This is him writing every D-list Spider-Man villain ever. From Guilt Man. He's, he's, he just has a checklist. I guess the question will be raised because, like, okay, so if he perfected this clone technique, who brought him back? Which, you know, by tomorrow morning we may know that answer, you know, and, like, <laughs> and it'll probably be, like, even dumber. It's like, <laughs> it's me, Austin! I'm that- the higher power! It's uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like, see, we're trainer. You brought me back from the dead. Yes. Wait, aren't you Dude, dead too? Would uh, bring, uh, all would. will be explained in time, my boy. <laughs> you see, <laughs> when Gaunt killed me, he was actually killing my holographic cybernetic, you know, stand-in. Uh, I've been in cyberspace the whole time. <laughs> and now and now I've come out to bring you back from the dead. And, uh... uh I don't know, like... Well, that wasn't, that wasn't Gaunt that killed him. It's Norman. But anyway... Uh, or, Shut yeah, up! The shadow, <laughs> it was the shadowy figure that we don't know who it is yet. Wink, wink. Uh, yeah. So it, I, uh, a lot of it is there's so many questions. So hopefully they'll be answered to satisfactory. However, with what we have so far, like there better be a darn good reason, and I doubt there is why Ben Riley is surrounding himself by villains. And by the way, by the way, of all the identities that Ben could take. He's yes. going to take the identity of the Jackal. Like, you know, House of M aside, that would be just like Peter becoming the Green Goblin. You know, like, what? what? <laughs> like, the person who's effed Ben's life up more than anyone else. You know, like, I shall become the Jackal, you know, as a tribute to him. Like, okay. <laughs> but he's not yeah. a bad guy. Yeah. And that, that uh, again, all these things that you're bringing up are stuff that I was like, these have to be addressed. Right, and he's like, oh, how do I convince people that we're not the bad guys? I know. Let me take on the identity of an established bad guy, the Jackal, and surround myself <laughs> with, you know, clones of the Jackal and um, do his M.O. and then clone a bunch of villains. Wait, why doesn't Peter trust me? Why doesn't he trust me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This uh, makes perfect sense. So, obviously, mentioned up this at the top, but we will be doing a big uh, clone conspiracy complete uh, rundown of this particular miniseries. This is just our reaction to, epi- to issue number three because for obvious reasons. Are you sure this time? Because yeah. we kept saying that for months about Spider-Verse and we never did. Well, we kind of did Spider-Verse and Spider- and Mayday Mondays, so... I know, yeah, that, that was... That, that um, was deep out, though. <laughs> that was a retcon. We, you still planned on doing it, but... Uh, I originally I, I, planned, but but it's on the... I mean, we did a, we did a pretty extensive Spider-Verse. We could still... We could always do, do the Scarlet Spiders miniseries at one point. Yeah, I mean, we, we could. We could. And that... And <laughs> we, we could do it as a crossover with Teenage Wasteland. Oh, <laughs> 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 But I mean, I mean that's still I, I've got it on my I've got it on my board. I have a little board of what, how, what our issues. A dream are board. F you, Mister Tony. Of what we've got done, what we've done, and what we've got left, and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, what do you think about the Bagley uh, Peter David? Peter David. Shut up and take my money. Um, Peter <laughs> David is one of my favorite comic writers ever. And in fact, like, I've just been like, 
I didn't even realize how many of my favorite series like he's done because like my favorite incarnation of Supergirl ever is um like that series that he did um back in the nineties, like and that's just I love reading that start to finish, especially that last arc. And um one of the kids I work with He's really gotten into, like, DC through, like, the Arrowverse show. So we've been reading Young Justice every night. And I'm like, man, this comic is good. And, like, which I read it before. But, like, just, like, reading it, like, in that way, I'm like, I love, you know, Peter David long-running narratives. Like, he's really good at this stuff. And, obviously, I love his, you know, Spider-Man stuff that he's done. Um, Like, uh, everyone always talks about the Sin Eater storyline, Death of Genie Wolf. Honestly, I love the stuff that he did that comes after that, like, even more. Like, in Spectacular with Black Cat and the Foreigner. And and he did a sequel to uh, Death of Genie Wolf with, like, Electro and Spider-Man that I thought was nice. And uh, the Mm -hmm. Sin Eater coming back. He's he's always done good, grounded Spider-Man stories. Um, And, you know... Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man was, you know, had its moments, although I didn't really like the whole, like, dimension-hopping Uncle Ben things. And then, you know... Yeah. <laughs> that was probably yeah. the weakest point of that. Zach, are you going to give him as much crap for saying that as you gave me? Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> I, 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 gave, I gave Gerard a pretty hard time. Yeah, because I don't like uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. He, he, I, I like parts of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, but, like, you know, there's, like moments and issues of it that i like but like the overall narrative of it was because the whole like first half of it was like uncle ben and a hobgoblin that had like a something called a retcon bomb and then um it was really weird and then when that story was finally over we had to deal with civil war and back in black and it was like he had to interrupt his story to do that so like peter parker was disguised as someone named ben riley coincidentally enough and like yeah, that was, the first, that was the very first throw a bone to, to Ben Riley fans. Which, by the way, when Betty goes to, like, Flash's apartment and, like, Peter's disguise as Ben Riley, he says, no, 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 I'm Ben Riley. She doesn't say, oh, Ben Riley, that's the name of the man who I loved, who, who, who was killed. Like, she's like, oh, okay. I have no emotional reaction to that name at all because I'm a bitch. But. <laughs> and then, like, Flash, like, was dating some famous, like, bowler from real life. Like, remember that? Like, oh, yeah, Kelly Kulik. I remember her name for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and this is Colbert for some made... reason, like, Peter David, like, put this, like, real-life bowling celebrity as, like, a girlfriend of Flash. And then Deborah Whitman came back as, like, a villain. It was uh, a real... With a random Stephen Colbert uh, cameo. <laughs> right! Like, <laughs> Friendly Neighborhood was, like, not as good as Peter David's other work, but, but it was really good. And that last issue, you know, with um, Jonah Jameson and, uh, and, and Peter... Uh, I guess there was another issue after that that tied into Brand New Day or something, yeah. but I, or maybe that was the last issue. But that too. it was one more day. It was, it was like the second. Yeah, part. but yeah, th- th- that final you know issue because the other one was the final issue. You know, which you know um, you can't mention without talking about you know Zach uh, planting the seed for that was really really good. So that's <laughs> a long like, way to say. Zach, this is like watching a rerun. <laughs> Everything we talked about like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, so Peter David, um, he's always got my vote. Mark Bag, um, I don't think I've ever really hated anything he's done. So as long as they're allowed to tell the story that they want to tell and that, like, they don't have to tie it into a million, like, you know, events is, all the time. been the biggest problem with 2099, to be honest with you. Um, honestly, 2099 is telling its own story. It's, 
I like the first volume. Like this one, I've kind of been a little more bored with because there's just too much. Like uh, I- I'm not liking the constant time travel stuff. You know, like there was that weird thing with like the Sinister Six, and I- I'm subscribed to it through Comicsology, but I've been letting them pile up, and I kind of read them like six issues at a time, and like I just have not been having fun with it lately. But you know, that's fine. Miguel O'Hara is not you know the same character than me that someone like Ben Riley is. So. Well, 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 slow down though. We don't even know if it's Ben Riley. Because they know what if it's Ben Riley. They said it was the Scarlet Spider. It could be still be Kane. You know what? If it's Kane, they still got my. uh, That that's a good enough team that they have my vote. Now, if it is Ben Riley, if anyone's able to like fix this Dan Slot mess, you know, like at least like make Ben Riley be somewhat more in character again, or at least realistically portray the consequences of what he's done. I think Peter David is someone that could do it. So, uh, yeah, you know, Marvel, also, don't be stupid. You know, give this a green light. <laughs> um, there's also something that I, I saw in an interview a while back that Ben Riley was, quote unquote, off the table for a long time because there was a story that never materialized. I'm really curious as to what that story is. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably just this. <laughs> well, right? well they, they, they said that they could they could finally use Ben Riley because uh, that, that story never materialized. And they finally had enough time to where they could. Well, they used him in um in Spider Verse, right? But this was like a, a story that was separate from Spider Verse. Like that, they were been a long festering story. But I mean, when I say he's off the table, like it's not like no one could use him because he was used in Spider Verse, so he wasn't that off the table. Right. And right. plus, you know, you're kind of off the table when you melt. <laughs> when you become a pile ashes, of goo, you become a pile of ashes. So anyway. Well, if you want to, I mean, that really pretty much wraps up our show. You got any other uh, final comments, Mr. Delator? Uh, yeah, Rom Space Knight. That's what I was trying to remember. My brain works really weirdly. Um, Josh, did you ever give a grade to, uh, yeah, to this? Yeah, you said A, but... Is that yeah, a? I, I said A. Oh, okay. I was wondering if you were going to go over, like, actually got an A-plus sweep, but it doesn't look like it, because this bastard had to be a contrarian. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. I'm just, I'm just messing with your uh, content. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll give it the plus. No, 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 no. I'm not sure you're doing anything. I'm just saying we all universally love this story. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave it an A-plus. Gerard gave an A-plus. There, there's no reason why it doesn't have an A-plus for me. I just said A to simplify things as opposed to, like, A-plus, A, you know, minus <laughs> or something. This is the most labored explanation. <laughs> I, ju- I just gave it a hard A without thinking about it. But if I have to, like, sit down and examine it, I'm, I'll say, okay, A-plus. Translation, we're going to give it a sweep. I, I'm, I'm calling an executive decision. So. <laughs> is, this the, is this the first time we've given a, a straight A-plus? Plus, keep in mind that we have like eight people who like couldn't make it tonight, so that that's probably you it's know increase the time. odds of giving us sweep. Yeah, it, 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 it's been a long time. I think uh, the only other time we gave it an A plus sweep was last year's. Maybe. So, yeah, I, I think this is the first time we've ever the three of yeah since since then. Uh, hmm. I'll have to go back. I'll have to go back and look, and I'll, I'll tell you post production. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> you won't stop. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, well. I'm just pedantic enough to actually look this up. <coughs> okay, I swear to God, I am done making interruptions for the rest of this episode until the very end. So, I decided because I want to be contrary, I decided to go back to episode 26 of CSC and pull up this lovely little clip about what the grades actually were. Kind of wrap this up with some grades. Uh, we'll start with uh, Josh. I'll give it a C plus. A C plus, okay. 
Yeah, for completely awesome, because it's an A+. Plus. Uh, I was going to see if anyone would get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys suck. Nobody questioned my C+. Plus. You were like, I, I oh, okay. I saw the way out. I saw the way out. No, out. no, I was, I was balling up my fist and preparing to uh, <laughs> why, get uh, my weapons. <laughs> so, okay, uh, Mr. Weaponizer, uh, to himself, Gerard, what's your, what's your grade? Oh, come on, I'm giving this an A+. Plus. This is my favorite story of the, of the Clone Saga by far. Well, okay. Uh, okay, the ASM 400 is close, but absolutely 100% gem. Love it. Recommend it. Go go find it in some form or another. All right, so Donovan, your turn. I'm actually going to, be, like, going to be the lowest grade uh, of the group. I'm not kidding here. and giving it an A. <laughs> <laughs> in that case, I'm going to give it A minus. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to give it an A plus. Um, I mean, it's consistent. I mean, a consistent A all around for for this entire panel. This this is this is the episode I think we were all kind of almost all looking forward to, simply because we knew that this was going to be a great miniseries. So, yep, that just happened. So, it wasn't quite all A pluses all around, but yeah, close. <laughs> hey, Big Al, if you want to if you want to look this up for us and do some research. <laughs> Like he, doesn't, like, like he doesn't have an existing spreadsheet or anything. Yeah, he, 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 he's like this unpaid intern that you're giving all this work to. <laughs> um, Although, is it him or I someone else? The guy that's like actually like working for like not Marvel, but like something to do with Marvel now. Like he does those like books that like he, those like source books for Marvel. He does. That's he, you remember the Ultimate okay. Guide um, that Tom DeFalco wrote? Same company that produces those. Dorling Kindersley, I believe the company's called. And yeah. So he works for them, and, and so he gets to read comics all day and make money. I mean, <laughs> he's living the dream, man. But uh, speaking of Big Al, if you want to see a lot more of stuff, Big Al stuff, he is our leading contributor on the front page of spidey-dude.com. He uh, posts pretty much three times a week, so Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So... Uh, we appreciate all his contributions and all, and he also is a frequent uh, person who writes into Mayday Mondays and all of our shows. Speaking and of his writing, guest spot on Mayday Mondays was actually really, really good. His like long-winded emails and rants like come off much better in audio form. And that's not me being sarcastic or facetious. Like I, I mean it. Like in audio form, like they're actually like really like <laughs> insightful and interesting. That long explanation for like. Uh, but if you want to be on the part of the show, uh, you can always leave us an email. At clonesoccerchronicles@gmail.com, you can follow us on Twitter. It used to be at clonesoccerchrony, but we have a new Twitter handle. It's S. Zach, stop! You never mention the old one because that just confuses people. Just say what the new one is. The new one is at S. Dude Podcasts. Hmm. Uh, S. Or yeah, S. Dude Podcast. I couldn't get Spidey Dude Podcasts all in one Twitter handle, <laughs> And you can also put at Spidey Dude Radio Network, and you can pull us up on Facebook. So like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, also, we have our voicemail line, which Josh has called in for Mayday Mondays, but you can call in for any of our shows, whether it be spectacular. <laughs> and hope that Zach doesn't answer. <laughs> I, I mean, it. if you call in that line, there's a very good chance that Zach will answer. <laughs> or call you back accidentally. Anyway. Because uh, <laughs> it's happened twice. Anyway, the... Uh, the voicemail line is 818-925-6631. That's 818-9-CLONE-1. If you want to be on the program, we'll play your voicemails and read your emails here on the show. And uh, once again, that email is clonesoccerchronicles.gmail.com. I am, of course, Zad Joyner. 
Gerard, on behalf of Gerard Della Tour and Joshua Lavin-Bertoni and everybody else here on the Clone Saga Chronicles, we wish you a uh, good night, and we'll see you next time. All right, that wraps up the main part of the episode, but it's been a while since we've done bloopers. I know it's been a couple of episodes, three or four episodes, so I thought uh, to celebrate the 60th episode that we've reached this milestone, I thought I would bring forth the bloopers. So, <clears throat> cue the Balkans Skull music. So this episode we are covering redemption, and of course, when there is background to this mini, there is back. Take three. Alrighty, so we're doing this episode, and we are covering redemption, and of course, there is background to this mini series that we have. I'm so- oh God, Zach! I- you can't tell me I'm the only one that was thinking about Katie Vick during this entire thing, right? Who's Katie Vick? Katie Vick, Kane. Oh, uh, WWF. He's in a you know in a in a funeral home over a casket. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, from, <laughs> WWE storyline from the Attitude Era. Uh, a particularly bad one, folks. Don't look it up. It involves it involves necrophilia, like Zach had mentioned earlier. <laughs> I've I've now forgotten what my responses were because I didn't think it would be that long. <laughs> Sorry, I told, Shit. You, I told you we're getting in the weeds a little bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. Did you write a recap or do I need to do a recap? No, no, I'm just going to wait. I didn't write a recap for anything. <laughs> but we already knew that going in. Okay. Uh, who's the boss now, boss man? Damn it, I keep making so many wrestling references. Yes. If you don't watch, if you're not a fan of early '90s pro wrestling, I'm just worthless in this episode. Yeah. Okay, so uh, give us your thoughts on this episode. <laughs> uh, on this episode, I think the episode's going kind of lousy. Uh, it dragged in the middle a little bit. We were reading from the life of Riley. Motorcycle uh, okay. speeding by. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that guy is so cool. Like, 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 did you hear how loud his engine was? That means he's cool. <laughs> Wait, maybe maybe that was Ben Riley actually. He's off on another. He's off on another. He's off on another adventure. He's like, I must steal Uncle Ben's corpse before it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, anyway, back to my notes. Josh, are you just parked on the side of the road? <laughs> I'm trying to cross the street, but everyone's like, rrr, rrr. that's why I told Zach originally 15 minutes because I knew it would take 15 minutes to get back to my car. But he just went ahead and, like, called me. So I was like, all right, let's do this while I'm, you know, playing Frogger. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, what? Ben Riley. I'm just like, oh, f-. <laughs> You're just going to hear, like, you know, like a car hit me. And then I'm going to oh, looks like Team Rocket's blasting off again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just laugh at somebody being vehicularly killed so much. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone on this show would laugh at, you know, me being murdered by a car, it would probably be you. Like, I would just imagine, like, you know, like... That's not fair. Zach Zach was posting, like, this funny dude, like, you know, admin thread, like, hey, guys, like, I just got off the phone with, like, you know, Josh is dead, and everyone would be like, oh, man, oh, man. 
And, and then Gerard would be like, I don't I have recording audio of it. 50 bucks this good. <laughs> and, and, then, and then, like, Gerard might make a joke about it. And then, like, somebody, like, you know, uh, Zach might be, dude, not cool. Be like, oh, come on. Josh will be the first one to laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be right. <laughs> who, is, who is that guy who wrote in those, that, that email and said we complain too much about modern comics? That one's for you, go. Oh, well, he's he's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the way, just to show how much of a lunatic I am, I just flipped off my screen for absolutely no reason, because this is an audio podcast and no one well, will see you, you, you sure showed them. <laughs> <laughs> what? Josh, hurry up and make that turn. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can hear his uh, signal clicker going. <laughs> Maybe now? you just have super hearing. You ever think about that? Anyway, or maybe I have severe schizophrenia and I'm hearing noises that aren't real. <laughs> That's a possibility. That is a possibility. This is off the freaking rails. <laughs> anyway, only, you're not wrong. <laughs> only hope for justice right now is for Sam Waterston to appear to get you to confess for absolutely no reason. Because that's the end of actual Law and Order episodes. That drove me crazy. That drove me crazy. Whenever like somebody who had no chance of getting caught would just would just confess for no reason. <laughs> all right, I did it. I did it all. <laughs> oh shit! Everything to you, Mr. Lawyer Man. Oh shit! This is an audio recorded podcast that everyone will hear and download. <laughs> <laughs> well, unlike unlike certain certain bald people from Joplin, Missouri, I actually had stuff. Anyway, so uh, no. like that one time when you didn't, and like Don texted me saying, "Dude, listen to the beginning of Clone Saga Chronicles." That we talked one- on everyone, and and Zach left it all in. <laughs> that was the one time that I Douglas the hell out of an episode, and yes, <laughs> but it's you, so you picked the one you shouldn't have. Yeah, <laughs> because, because I'm a oh, dumbass. Oh, he did. One day you'll hear that, and Zach you'll hear that voicemail because Zach picked up again, <laughs> but 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 it was recorded because it, it, it's comedy. Basically, I started leaving the voicemail, and Zach tried to call me back, so I like conference called him into the voicemail. And he's like, hey, I saw that you called me. I said, actually, I was calling Gerard's show, but, you know, you picked up again. And the last time he did that was, uh, we're on Friends. I'm not Ron Friends, but hey, let's have a chat. <laughs> oh, like my God. So you're trying to tell me that we're going to, next time we sit down and record May Mondays, we're, we're going to pull up a voicemail, and the voicemail will be Josh, and then you will be talking to him on the voicemail, and then you're going to respond to the voicemail that you're on. <laughs> Yeah, how narcissistic of me. Whoa, talk, this is heavy. Heavy, there's that word again. What's wrong with the gravitational pull in your universe? <laughs> and Bob Gale never wrote anything good again. <laughs> what are you talking about? That first appearance of Freak was great. Oh, yes. <laughs> the, villain that, <laughs> the, the classic villain that's still being used regularly to this day. <laughs> Who once once Bob left, like exit stage left, they immediately like shunted him off. So, dude, they did that with virtually every brand new Dave villain. What's the last time Mister Negative appeared anywhere? Well, and and to be uh, fair, he they did that. Any, any villain that like wasn't created during Lee and Dicko, like and then Ramita era, has like a ninety percent chance of like not surviving. Like. Right. Like Venom, and those guys. Yeah, yeah. Venom and Hobgoblin are like almost in Carnage. They're like the exceptions. There's like, you could probably name like less than ten of them that are exceptions to the rule. And it's the same thing with supporting characters. You know, like isn't that right, Marcy Kane? 
And, well, uh, well, uh, to and, be fair, and Jill Stacy. Well, Marcy can have to return to her home planet because they needed her. <laughs> um, to be fair to Mister Negative, he did make an appearance in this in this current volume of Amazing. Uh, in the really? story. Yeah, but it was obvious because, you know... Oh, wait, Dan Slott was the one who co-created him. Of course yeah, he's still that, Yeah, he's, so he, he's still around. But anyway, okay. uh, you haven't seen Paper but, Doll. But, but, but he's, I was say, he's not going to team up with Paper Doll and, uh, and uh, what's the Overdrive anytime soon. Overdrive uh, was the superior foes. And then... Um, um, that was, was the uh, only good appearances of Overdrive was the um, superior Who was the girl that was always like... Screwball. Oh, screwball. 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 Yeah. yeah, Screwball who like had exposition every single time like she showed up because they had to like explain what her motivation was in a very very like clunky way like you only care about youtube hits don't you screwball that's right that's the only thing i care about and now the readers know too oh it's another appearance of me let's say the same thing yeah let me yell out websites because <laughs> trendy oh my god those are the issues that are gonna date really fast in like 10 years but we're watching everything on holographic video. Ten years? Read the first issue of Brand New Day now. Betty sells Peter. I'm in your five. Remember the, like, the top, the five, like, well, you, on that one phone call? Yeah, yeah, like, your fave, was, was it Fave 5 or something, or? You know something, that might have been dated for the time period it took place in, let alone it now. It was, because, like, T-Mobile, <laughs> like, it was T-Mobile and Altel, and that was right after Altel got bought by Verizon. And Zach made a post on one of the websites, like talking about how, like you know, he didn't think that Peter would be able to afford that plan, and because Zach was working with like cell phones at the time, he like listed all the current phone plans and like you know speculated which one Peter would be able to afford. It was actually really a really fascinating, like you know, uh, uh, thing. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. I totally forgot. I, 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 I specifically remember that it's like <laughs> a phone a phone sale person will tell us like which phone plan is the best yeah. for someone like Peter Parker, which would be literally prepaid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can call Screwball to tell her to get on Twitter and, and make sure her Tumblr is, yeah, yeah, is up. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter um, that the Iran Girl series has. Hashtags. Well, no, yeah, I remember. Like she had like a companion like Twitter thing. And, and, like, her narration was in Twitter boxes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought wasn't actually bad. Except that it wasn't, because you can't just use the Twitter logo, right? So does that mean that... Did they have a fake version of that? Or did they actually license the Twitter logo just to I, use in Aranya? I think they did. I'll have to read that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I actually I actually remember, like, the tweets showing up, and it was, like, the same tweets, because, like, that were on the Twitter. Right, right, right. But that doesn't necessarily mean, like it wasn't a licensed appearance of Twitter. Like they probably just used the same font color and shit, but they didn't use the logo because they would have to pay royalties. Well, and, and 30 years from now, when people are reading this in Essentials, they'll be like, "What is she doing? What is this now?" Well, that's like, part of the problem. If they use the actual logo, those might never even appear in any kind of <laughs> reprints in 30 years because they won't have the license to use it. Yeah. Uh. Oh, Marvel! <laughs> Unless they edit over it, like like um, when Dark Horse reprinted the like Marvel Star Wars stuff, like all the references to like Stanley from those opening pages, like Stanley presents, they would like write, they would edit over it, like Spider Girl Digest style, say Lucasfilm presents, and you would see like the negative space where like the Marvel like you know logo would be <laughs> and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, and like and like the letterbox, and it was really fun. And now that like. 
Marvel is reprinting those reprints because like they were recolored and everything. Like <laughs> oh they're like editing over the edits to put all the Marvel references back in. It's really fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, it's like that one issue of Power Man and Iron Fist that they can't reprint because uh what's his name? Uh toy character. The one that Scott Gardner is obsessed with. Uh, oh, micronauts or something? Or oh, no, oh, damn it, I forget. I hate when I try to reference something and forget. I'm sorry, I derailed the show. Continue. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, you derailed the show, nobody else. Um, yeah, Bob Gale <laughs> derailed the show. Anyway, um... What if they're listening to this in the daytime, Zach? Well, you know, I mean... Well, then they're out of luck, because it's nighttime somewhere. Yeah. It's nighttime <laughs> on the other side of the day. I'm world. tired of this political correctness about, like, good night. <laughs> oh, it's day in some parts of the country. You know what? It's <laughs> night in America. So, <laughs> political correctness is tearing this country apart. Yeah, you gotta say happy sleep time instead of good night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, all right. Let me hit the happy, there. happy uh, twenty-four hour cycle. <laughs> I, think, I think we actually got about an hour and a half worth of, worth, or uh, probably two hours worth of audio. Okay, that does indeed wrap up our episode of Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast. Of course, powered by Spidey-Dude.com and the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Um, I will be ending the show with the uh, man behind the mask. Thanks, Gerard. 